0: Right, this episode of Summoning Insight is coming to you through, initially, if you're watching live Twitch, in which case... <laughs> Roll over the little prime, you know the drill by now. Luckily, that's actually the good thing, Monty, is that all these like pleb streamers have at least conditioned people that they will be begging, and you must give them money to live or something. So see, actually, I'm we're drafting, we're like we're drifting behind them NASCAR style on that one. We don't have to do all the work, do we? Even you know,
1: uh, see, I've, I've actually taken a new approach on my bangers only stream, uh which is not to beg but to shame them for right. holding on to their own okay. money, right, and act very disappointed. They're not giving me the free Jeff Bezos money as opposed to somebody else. Uh, but that applies here too. That
0: applies. Yes. Here. Obviously, if you're watching the VOD, like the video, leave a comment for the algorithm. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, subscribe. It has all of the great shows on Power Spike, Monty and Wolf show, Best Diamond League show will be tomorrow. So if you're watching the VOD of Some of the Insight, it'll be the day after. That's when you'll see the VOD there. All the great stuff. And of course, we have a sponsor, Monty.
1: That's right. Uh, I know All For Me Grog has been our theme song for almost 10 years, but not everybody likes grog. Some people you, uh, like different things instead and so you can see what i'm holding here this is the glycerin chamber from the freeze pipe bong XL and 420 is coming up so what you do is you just take this separate piece and you pop it into the freezer for an hour and glycerin is of course a food safe ingredient so no worries there it gets super super cold to the point that it will chill smoke by over 300 degrees meaning that you're not going to scorch your throat won't leave you par- parched it's a much smoother, more enjoyable smoking experience with this glycerin chamber. So you can go ahead and head on over to www.thefreezepipe.com to get your cold hits and use our promo code LFN. That's LFN for last free nation. And that will give you a 10% discount on your whole order. And they've got everything, not just bongs. They've got dab rigs, bubblers, Just regular pipes, anything you could possibly want to enhance your 420 experience. So if you don't like grog, or perhaps you enjoy grog and cannabis together, or just separately, anything you want, this is the time. Head on over to thefreezepipe.com. You you know what I've
0: realized is sad. I actually, I'm actually mildly sad that I did give in years and years ago now, like probably like four years ago now, Monty, and do an actual like one of those dabs on stream. Because since me and Richard used to be the sort of people who were like against that like fundamentally and almost on like an existential level, it would be so cool if like the first time I ever did an actual dab, it was just the cannabis dab. It's like an insanely powerful... <laughs> <laughs> that would be, and then did a dab. There we go. I could combine it all. The better dab, exactly. There you go. There you I go. I wish I could uh, do that now. Sadly, I sold out my integrity and did a dab on, I think, like an ESL broadcast a few years ago. I remember that. The thing. Actually, it's because we were just doing it. I think because like <laughs> machine or someone thought was doing that thing with their like gatekeep. Here's the thing. Quick aside. Quick side table on this one, Monty. What's the deal with that thing where people who themselves aren't even vaguely young compared to the Zoomers who play the game? Try Try to gatekeep that they're the ones that are just on the edge of the club of being like young, and we're the boomers. You know when like Dom will try to do it to me. It never works, by the way, guys. If you ever watched, where he'll try to imply like I'm super old. It's like, bro, you are aware to the zoomer. Once you're over twenty five, you may as well settle. You yes. bit like we're both yeah, just exactly <laughs> there. They're, they're like they're like me when I was a little kid, and I didn't know that. Like my granddad isn't actually that old. Like he just has mildly grey hair. Like you'll know when he's really old, mate. That's when he's all decrepit and can't walk. Like they, when he had just grey hair, actually, that's like you know he's only coming out of middle age at that point in time. So. What's the deal with that? Because it was Machine who himself, if people don't know, he's in his thirties almost certainly. Like he's not super young; he's not twenty-two. He's—I would guess—he's thirty or thirty-two or something. Himself, he used to be the one who was always like, "Nah, oh, when you guys do the dab though, it's so sort of like you know, it's." It's sort of like, what's that? It's like, come on, bro. You're basically now we're camping that one. You're old as
1: fuck. I wonder wonder who's giving machine (laughs) shit now for for being old and uncool. It's true, though. The boomer line is like 25, and you just – it's a hard line between boomer and not boomer. (laughs) And you're either on one side or the other, and there's no going back. But now I'm just happy to be a boomer. That's right. I, yes. I'm loving it. I'm loving
0: it. And to be fair, as much as everyone thinks, because it's all about the idea of being cool and being the in-group, as much as everyone's like, oh, I'd want to be the Zoomer. It's like, you wouldn't Though The Zoomers were the people who were like, well, Danny himself said that's not KISS or... Will you be apologizing now? You know what I mean? That's <laughs> that's the people in the Zoom account, boys. Like, you might think boomers are antiquated, but at least we can do things like go, hmm, maybe he's lying. I'll take that into consideration. Oh, no, you guys just take it at face value. That's why there's that meme that I did the joke of the other day. Because everyone is like that. There's a famous concept that someone came up with. It's a bit like Monty, a real life version of that famous opening scene of Blade Runner. You know, the one where it, they're doing the replicant test on that guy, and they they show that one of the tests yep. you can do is you ask them, like, you know, if you were a and are upside down. Essentially, it's to like sort of sort-circuit them because they can't think sort of like a human would and it's, it just messes with them, right? So essentially, there's a real-life version of that that supposedly it sort of can filter out if you like very low IQ. Because basically, you ask the person this hypothetical question, what do you say to them? Something like, how would you feel if you hadn't had breakfast this morning? Now, a moron, and by the way, spoiler, <laughs> if you followed Richard Lewis's work, this is what all the tweets to him are like. The moron will go but I did have breakfast this morning. (laughs) And you go, no, 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 but imagine if you didn't. And they go, but I did. Like, that's what Zoomers are like, mate. So I don't know why you're flexing. Like, if I were you, here's what we need. Here's the final comment here. We'll look back in and talk about some esports, the League of Legends. The final comment is this. I want to spark... A renaissance against Zoomerism, Monty, where I want people to call themselves Neo Boomers and that's going to be the group. If you're over 21, but you're not a fuckboy idiot like I'm describing, who knows whether he hypothetically could have not had breakfast or not. If you're capable of understanding that, don't align with the Zoomers. Come more to our side, call yourself a Neo Boomer. You will be like the vanguard against the Zoomers with our philosophy and we will raise you up to the heights. There you go. How about that?
1: <laughs> you you could call it uh post zoomerism to make it seem like it's the next yes. step there you go <laughs> there
0: you yeah go. Oh, that's that's true make it i like it's actually the, the the movement coming afterwards yeah true, <laughs> true. we've got post past
1: post, post zoomerism um yeah that's uh we should we should uh talk i think first about lec a little bit just because i want to get your take on the the latest hilarious iteration of fanatic <laughs>
0: Oh, we'll get into that, but here's the thing, Monty. As usual, I have come with some gifts, which is... If people Uh-oh. don't know, I've been updating you all on it. The gift that never stops giving is Jankos' Twitter account with stories of people from Asia. back in the day. Thank, shout out back in the day to Paulie and Jankos when they used to bring us the Ryu stories. Now we're getting all the straight-fire Evie right, stories. I mean, I showed you the Ruby one where he, did, yeah, yeah. where he did actually use that black electrician's tape to just cover his entire window <laughs> that had a blind quite clearly at the top of it. That's the Ruby one. But Evie is better because the best thing about the Evie guy is he seems to actually have quite an outgoing personality but he also has a limited vocabulary so it just means accidentally he's said all oh, hilarious BM shit so there was a couple I've got for you here Monty that I brought to the table right <laughs> so there was one where uh, it's a conversation Jankos posted and it goes like this it goes Evie so that's like him speaking obviously Evie goes how do you feel now Yankos says worse than before Evie says nice because and now look it turns out later on he actually did mean to say something else like, again like oh like oh, like so, sad or something you know but he just mistook it so my follow up I thought it was a banger was I just said he has a bright future as an executive evil geniuses because think of the premise he's like how do you feel worse than before nice and then my joke was obviously it'd be called heavy geniuses wouldn't it so that's, that's good
1: there you go and then there's another
0: one don't worry there's another there's another Yankos heavy interaction so here it is It goes like this. Yankos says, Evie, I need medicine. Do you have any? Evie says, for brain. (laughs) Now, what's great is apparently Evie genuinely just meant, he meant, do you have a headache? But again, because he's used slightly the wrong words, it just sounds like the most unintentionally BM thing you could say. Like, I need some medicine, Evie, for your brain. Fucking hell, all right, I'll ask someone else then. You know what I mean? Like, come on, bad life. And then the best thing is, like I say, he actually did himself follow up and just say, I think, let's see. He did just say, I'm sorry, I wanted to say it for headache. So <laughs> I'm telling you guys, one, I have to get this on record to ever forget it. But two, this is the gift that keeps giving. Follow Yankus' Twitter account because these are straight fire. Like I think they're funny yeah. as fuck, Me, I love it. I love I love like because in the sense, it's just wholesome, isn't it? Like, even though it's actually sort of like he's being burned, it's unintentional, isn't it? so it makes it funnier. And also, if you're Yankos, you catch that many strays and that about of flak, bad, anywhere. It's like now you're even getting it through, like, babblefish, like, language barrier. Like, you're just getting burned <laughs> left, right, and center all over the place.
1: Also, I mean, the way that Heretics <laughs> are playing the game, he's he's trolling, oh, he's he's trolling Yankos own, he?
0: in the game, too. <laughs> yeah, he's on his own, mate. He's on his own, <laughs>
1: I do love Evie, but I, I think it's pretty clear that like the language barriers that have been created on this team are causing enormous problems because I don't think that Evie is bad in a vacuum because he's able to get these leads. I just think that it's very difficult to convert them, especially when they're playing split push compositions and we see Evie on a Trendemir splitting on his own and they, they had a lead and they arguably should have won the game that they played against Koi. But he overextends, then they die, then they start throwing the game. And so for me, if you're playing these very... The problem with Evie is this. He plays very specific champions and he plays them well. I mean, he was known for his Urgot and you know playing these all-ins and getting leads and then pl- having the team kind of play through him when he had the leads when he was in Japan. But with a language barrier, it's very hard to communicate the game state that you need and the support that you need in order to continue to press an advantage with a split pusher that has to be precise because you're playing around basically an ultimate timing window on Trendomir, which is short. So if you fuck up that window, then you just die, and then you lose pressure, and then the other team can get back into the game. And that's kind of what happened in the Koi game. So I do wonder, especially with Evie and Ruby's underperformance, if just the, the language barrier is just a massive factor on this team.
0: Oh, man, let's be real. I'll, I'll I'll give it up to Jack Spectre. He has the odd game where he pops off, but aside from that, Jankos' is elo held, mate. He's just so much better than his teammates, and the worst thing is, it's just such an inappropriate team for him to be like a star figure on, because his best style isn't carry jungle anymore. Like, if, if he was like Bo, maybe he could do something on this team. The problem is, like, you look at Jankos, and you're like, bro, you could do everything right, but look at your solos. Like, as you say, dude, they can even get a lead. They can even be on their champions, but you can't rely on Team Herx to close a game out. Like, there's just very few teams like they almost have to be against someone who's so weak willed they just get over the finish line like this is a team where that that's unfortunately I always go the other way on that one Monty if you're always generating leads but then you never close the game out that's actually almost the worst team for me like it's one thing <laughs> if, like never, like, from yeah, last <laughs> if you never get if you just never get ahead at all then yeah I understand why you're losing the games but if you're just that's throwing every game <laughs> yeah if you're just throwing half your games like that just sounds pretty bad like that's not a positive like you're in the driver's seat over and over again.
1: I mean, it was kind of fascinating because this iteration of Koi, granted, the sample size is small, but it feels like Koi can't get an early game advantage to save their life and is just constantly playing from behind. And this version of Heretics, they can't close the game even if they do have that advantage. So it it led to a very weird matchup between the two of them.
0: They basically need to, like, form the StarCraft War Archon. If they formed together, Monty, then they would have the best <laughs> early game. They'd be good late with the late game, t- and then they'd just be the best team completely. So that's uh, all we need.
1: Honestly, if you swapped Yankos and Malrong between these two would be a pretty spicy teams. roster, wouldn't it? <laughs> because I think the problem with Koi right now is that, you know, not only are they struggling to integrate Shagenda, but malrong is so useless on a team that doesn't do well early remember when malrong yep. came into the rogue roster that was when we had the renaissance of their style where they were yep. getting these these massive leads in the early game the thing about malrong is because of the way he plays league of legends if you are not getting those early leads he's just completely fucking useless like his only his only job in terms of his style is to sacrifice himself to prop up his lanes. That is just what he does. And he wastes his own time in order to do that. He tries extremely hard through weird pathing to do that. And so if you're falling behind, and all that shit, yeah. yeah. If you fall behind, he, this, he's in real trouble and he's not a yes. super valuable asset to your team. So if you swapped Yankos and Malrong and you put Malrong on Heretics where he might be able to get these, you know, even more ahead potentially, yeah. I mean, getting Jack Spectre ahead not sure that really helps you a whole lot. Um, but, and you put Yankos on Coy, where maybe he could at least stabilize the early game and prevent some of the early game deficiencies. And at least, I think, cover some lanes a little bit better or farm up himself. That all of a sudden, I think, becomes a better uh, stylistic match for these teams.
0: Because to me, the G2 game is one of the reasons why you just can't have any hope in heretics. Like, dude, look at some of the champions they have in their draft. Like, these would be amazing picks in a top Asian team, mate, but they just can't do anything with them. Like, that was just whack. Like, they had no chance to win this game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Shagenda... I'm not convinced that this is actually going anywhere. I think their one win was more of a throw from Heretics than Koi doing super well. And... I I think the the deficits that they're they're kind of racking up in these early games make it very challenging for them to pull off victories.
0: The thing I'd be concerned about if you're a fan of Koi is this. Koi is actually one of the few bot lanes in LEC that essentially has it all. Like... They have the Lucian Army, they have all the fucking Caitlin and Locks or whatever. Like, dude, they have all the combos. Like, that should mean you should be one of the absolute best teams in the LEC. You should be dominant right now. Like those are that's those are two good players in the bot lane. And it's a really powerful meta read you have there. But the problem is the jungle and top just aren't reliable. Just yep. aren't reliable. You see, so yeah, you're never gonna get a lead early game, are you? Like probably the probably the most reliable way at the moment to get a kill is like just top lane early gank, right? Like it happens every game almost.
1: Yeah, I, I think I I think yeah, it's just this this iteration of Koi is is really struggling. They they certainly don't have the same level of early game playmaking that they used to have. And it doesn't really make sense either, because you would assume that in this meta that has a lot of catch up experience as it stands right now, where counter jungling is less fruitful uh than it used to be, it is a gank forward meta. Because they they in the season they implemented mechanics into the jungle, such as the treat system, um, in order to make sure that you could gank early and not too fall too far behind, because I think they were sick of the more farming style that we saw last last year. And you would think that this would be a great meta for Malrong, because he could spend more time doing Malrong things on the map, waiting in brushes and lane, and still not be as far behind. But that's just that's that you know that's just not true and perhaps perhaps Malrong's advantage last year was that when every other jungler was farming that Malrong was the one who was heavily ganking and that meant that he was kind of alone in doing that and therefore it was more surprising and his team would get kill advantages early while the other jungler was farming and that's how it would balance out perhaps being in a, in a more farming oriented jungle meta will be good for him upon that return. But at first blush, you would think, oh, you know, this ganking meta should be great for Malrong.
0: I also think as well, the other team they had was almost set up by default to allow him to be super aggro early and to do whatever he wanted. Essentially, also, even though he could be super active, he didn't actually have to be though, Monty. That's the thing. Think about it. You had Odohan and who's like the permanent weak side king. Larson just lanes well every time anyway. And then you had one of the better bot lanes. Like, the best thing was to me in the, in the last lineup without the Shigenda issue... Essentially, it was up to Malrang, like, where do you apply this pressure? What do you want to do? Who do you want to get ahead? But he also had all these options to work with. He was in a great position. I actually thought the team sort of, like, it balanced, the, the extremes balanced each other out. The problem with the Shigender anglers is it's just taken another lane where now it's just, like, a weak lane. It's almost a waste of time to sort of feed it too much. But then at the same time, like, then it becomes telegraphed that you're going to hit, like, the bot lane. You know, it's like, I feel like it took a lot of the options away from them. It's not even just that is bad. It's just, like, what well, he's changed in the team dynamic, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think Shagenda did do better in terms of his carry role this past weekend. Um, You know, they switched him off carry pretty early on into the winter group stage because they were concerned about making that top eight. And going one and two obviously isn't great, but I think it did at least look better now. It did look better this weekend than it did previously. So perhaps it'll just be a slow roll over the week into integrating him into a a better style but i think it's tough to imagine that malrong is going to i think malrong is now one of the the major issues of this team and that is disappointing to me because i'm a person who really loves watching malrong play I'm, i'm i perhaps am weird in that because a lot of analysts don't like him but i think he is very entertaining and so i would like to see More more of his play and I want to see him integrated well into a team and that's just not happening right now and I think he is in fact like one of the major issues.
0: So you'd think with like how many times you see like Jarvan come back in the draft again, like this guy that was the, he used to go to that champion, even wasn't even the best champion in the meta, just because it fits his style perfectly. Like that's what I'm concerned about is like, it's like you said before, the joke is at this point, we're having to almost like copium infused speculate that like, well, maybe if the total opposite meta to rank style comes back, Monty, like a farming meta, then that would make him more rare. And as a result, as a counter, he would work like bro. Like, I mean that is what happened just, last year. I, it's true, but we're just reaching so hard for it to work. I, but
1: that's what I'm saying. Like it's weird, but maybe that is his I strength. Like it, it, seems, me. it seems counterintuitive, but perhaps that is his strength because that is when yes. he was strong last year, as opposed to now when we see a lot more early ganks comparatively because of the way the, the jungle goes. That he isn't he isn't the unicorn of the jungle anymore. Who is who's making these emphases, right? Yes. I don't By know. the
0: way, let's do it then. Let's segue to the. Laugh like oh! If this was HLTV.org in Counter Strike, this would be titled "Hit hey, fan- Come Here, Fanatic Fans, Fanatic Laughed" thread. That's like <laughs> the way they would write it for people with all the stupid terminology of that scene. Because the idea is we're just essentially going to laugh and poke fun at Fanatic now. Because we're going
1: to put Fanatic in the stocks and bad. throw yeah. uh, Rotten Tomatoes at them in the square. Which, by the way, is apparently what Sam Matthews wants. He's like pillorying himself, really. which I think is a very interesting choice on Twitter. He is just asking you to to throw the tomatoes at him.
0: The problem with this is like one, obviously they're coming off the only split ever where they didn't make playoffs. And that even has their asterisk, which is this was the split where only two teams don't make playoffs. Like that needs to be mentioned guys, (laughs) because actually by the way, what made their their old record incredible is the fact that it was top six. Like, dude, I actually think there's one thing I'll say before we burn fanatic, by the way, you say whatever you like about, but they had this player and then this player. No, no, no. At the end of the day, to have that run of how many years that was and always make playoffs. That is unbelievable. Like insanely props. Like, a plus, fucking A star, ST organization, you get everything for that. Yeah, of course. Like, that is unbelievable. It's a bit like if people don't know, T1 is like that. It, it's only something like one split ever. T1 just like had a shit run. Like, I think they had one split they missed the playoffs, like ever. So, even if they then came fifth in the split, guys, who gives a shit? Like, for a normal org, making fifths all right. Like, that's their worst day. So, props to the old fanatic. The problem is, they've come off the worst split ever. And if you saw these opening games, I think it's going to be even worse than last split, mate. This looks really bad. Like, the players they've even brought in look mad lacklustre. Like, this looks rubbish. This, look, this really looks bad. Like, I did the stat on Twitter just to fuck with, for that, with the, obviously, the fans of Reckless, because what I've pointed out is this, Monty. So, obviously, Upset's only played three games, hasn't he? And he's won all three. Reckless has won two games out of 12. He hasn't got to three wins yet. <laughs> it's only played three games. There you go. Game over. <laughs> one more... That starts a banger, isn't it? So anyway, on the fanatic angle, though, the real problem with this team is this, Monty. Right. I actually think the mis... I'm more upset about the mismanagement of this part of the roster than I am about the one that started the split. Like when the one that started the split, remember, we all have to go back to the beginning and put the context in to be fair. Nobody, nobody, I'll tell you right now, was hating on that rocks guy. Nobody. Every fucking person on every broadcast and forum did that thing you all do at Worlds, like with the bean guy two years ago, where you go, wow, this sub should be in LEC. I think they should sign him for real. Well, you know what they did? They took your advice. And by the way, my advice as well, I'm a fucking clueless pleb too. And they signed this guy and they put him in. And what do you know? He was one of the most limited champion capped players we've had in years in a top team and quickly got booted out correctly. That's okay. Like I'm fine with that move, by the way, bringing in he did deserve a chance. It's yep. this Oscar in for Wonder One. I think that is death. One, the number one thing you had to fix in Fnatic in the off season was the Razor humanoid thing. You not only didn't fix it, you've doubled down twice with that line. that, That <laughs> is terrible. And then, the one thing I actually thought in spring they had one, he was Wonder at least, and they've let him go. Now look, it's implied he wanted to go. He wants out this shit show like Upset did. But even <laughs> so, you have to think of the bigger picture. If you're Fnatic, I thought the best and everyone else missed this, the best example of how badly Fnatic have managed the last four to five months, Monty, was that interview on the LEC broadcast where Yamato Cannon interviewed his boys, Hillasang and Upset, who were going to play in the Mad Lions Fnatic match. Great interview. The whole time, I was just thinking, bro, all three of these people could be a Fnatic right now. They chose, essentially, <laughs> uh-huh. by their own actions, they fired Yamato. Look, I get why they fired Hillisang, but everyone knew there was a chance for a bounce back. And then you let Upset just essentially sit and then leave and now by the way might go and win the league without you like that alone just shows like guys how can we have these three and then what do we end up with like we fired the coaches We've got, like, freeze's brother, okay? Not a bad coach, but the idea is going to the fanatic job's mental. And then we've got Oscar in, who's nobody. And by the way, looked pretty bad in those first games. Oh, terrible. And then, like I say, I can give you the Advion one. That's, that one's fine. But, like, what have we ended up with? Because in this team, let's be real, the stars of the team on paper are going to again have to be humanoid and reckless. And by the way, in their own ways, because it's totally opposite idiosyncrasies, they are some of the worst players at their role. Like, humanoid is still an idiot. Like, I've gone from being like he plays badly to I actually think he's an idiot, mate. Because here's the problem, Monty. If you make a choice, everyone can make a bad choice. Everyone can get unlucky. He's actively choosing these decisions, bro. And if you see that hold, I told you, that swagger doesn't ever work for me. It's only cool to be like, I'm a rock and roll guy who doesn't really give a fuck. If you then win... If you then lose, you're just an awful not trying. Like, you're actually just an objectively bad teammate at that point in time, mate. Why would I have any morale when I'm playing in a team and I know you don't really care Do you think it's hilarious that you're inting? And then the reckless angle, like... It's just worse, even the last split. Like he just looks really toothless. The joke now is, you know, everyone was flaming him last split for picking Zaya when it was obviously like he was just doing it, like oh, he just wanted to be protected. Everyone else is carrying on Zaya, you dumb motherfucker. Now it's like back in the matter, and they're all carrying on it. And oh yeah, let's just put this in there. And you, but you're wrong. Gave away the greatest Rakhan player of all time. Oh, God, <laughs> the whole things so bad, mate. So come on, hit me with some of your angles. Where you at on this fanatic one? Well, there's so many angles to this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it very i think it just feels doomed and the reason why i think it feels doomed to touch on your point earlier is that they never actually got humanoid and razork to work together and as soon as i mean it's possible that El Yoya would have been on fanatic i'm sure fanatic was it was Fnatic
0: g2 apparently was the one yeah.
1: he was going to yeah yeah they were they were certainly angling for him and that would have been the move sure. but as soon as he doesn't get on this roster it's just the management itself leads to low morale Okay, so it's it's publicly available information that they wanted to, like, kick Razork out of this team. Does that necessarily motivate Razork? It depends on the team. Like Mad Lions, actually, I thought they would be much more affected by these attempts at at roster moves in the offseason. But they've actually done pretty well and seem to maintain rather high spirits and and relatively good performance to the caliber of their players so far this year. Now, the other side of that is. Is the team demotivated because they're losing these players? I mean, look at what's happened. They lost upset. And yeah, maybe some of the players didn't like playing with upset. From what I know is that not everybody likes playing with upset. He's 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 a grinder man and he he has a very serious attitude towards the game. And that can put some players off um, because I've I've heard he is demanding. Of, of his teammates and as normal. You know, as no I- one
0: ever talks about that, Monty, because that's one of those ones that really counterintuitive if you're a fan, because I don't know if you know this, but NBK and CSGO had the same reputation and all the French teams in CSGO, right? Which was... They never think he was a bad player. They actually didn't like that he was too serious and wanted to practice too hard. I know this sounds bad because you're all like, but they should all be pros. No, no, it's the other way around, guys. You're thinking if you're the guy who's really working hard and then they're slacking, you're the one who'd be pissed at them. (laughs) Not in some Western teams. Like, as you can see... Let's be real. It's now been reckless and wonder, mate, uh, and upset. Wonder clearly just wants some more chill vibe in his teams, mate. He doesn't want to be like the guy who's grinding himself to oblivion. Apparently, he's one of those guys who wants like an old fanatic of like the expect here ones, where you know you fuck around a bit, but then you just play seriously for the right matches and you get in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Well,
1: and and I think so, you know, when it comes to when it comes to losing upset, you already had to deal with that blow, but you keep Humanoid and Razork. And I think the Humanoid and Razork synergy is just a mirage at this point in time. And I think the mirage looked a little bit more real after Worlds because Razork really hard carried Fnatic through summer playoffs. And then Humanoid was great at Worlds. He was very good. We got to see a return to the form that got him onto Fnatic in the first place. And the thing is, though, that it was never both of them playing well as a duo. Yes. Like that is still never happened. OK, yep. what happened was they were performing well individually back to back, but not even at the same time, really.
0: Not and even you at the notice same time. it was nearly always like individual pop off. Like it was an outplay or a mechanical. It wasn't like it wasn't like when Razok carried. He was like doing the greatest jungle job on the map. He just got a load of ganks off, basically, you know. Did yeah, a I mean, I kind of player.
1: I think his poppy play in summer playoffs last year was very good. Um, But it just goes to show that they have had, they've they've been able to hit highs, very high highs, I would say, individually, but it's never been about their synergy and it's never been about their communication. And that, to me, is the fundamental problem because it's not a question that these guys can be good players. Like, we know they are good players. Um, and But why I say it's a mirage is we got to see that, you know, the last available data points to Fnatic were oh, these guys actually are performing better towards the end of the season. But I think you have to take that with a grain of salt and say, well, yeah, but was that because they've actually fixed the mid-jungle synergy problem? The answer is no. Yeah, this is the part of the roster they maintain. And maybe they didn't have a lot of options after Yoya. you know, uh, Mad Lions, like, shopped Yoya and then fuck, fucked up selling him. But... Um, but they also, you know, fucked up the the upset situation right. They they lost Hillisang. They decided to go with Rux instead. And and Hillisang did have a disappointing oh, world. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, you know, summer playoffs and worlds. But he certainly looks revitalized now. And I think you have to ask, what is it's it's always a hard read because when you have pro players that are underperforming, maybe it's the environment. And if you're Hillisang and you have to deal with this entire year of your mid-jungle just seemingly being unable to even communicate basic information to each other in how they play on the map, maybe you're just demotivated. I mean, look at what happened to, let's say, in Korea. BDD had a had a very bad season last year. Very bad. Oh, did. His he worst ever. He was trash. Uh, Keen was very bad last year. Uh, but both of these guys on KT are arguably the best players in their position in Korea that I don't think they I, BDD might be, um, I think probably it's Zeus in top lane, but they are at least in the conversation for being the the top players in their position in a region. Yes. And so that revitalization just goes to show that sometimes players, you know, they just phone it in when they're on a bad team. And I think Hillisang looked very good um, over the course of, of the winter split. He he certainly was like top two supports alongside Mickey X, I think you could make a pretty good argument for. Um and so I I mean, what happens, you know, maybe, maybe these players are underperforming, but what happens if humanoid or Razor get on a different team where it suits them a little bit better? But the point is that the Fnatic GMing decides to keep both of these players. And then you're left with Wonder, who we know in the right environment can do very well. Wonder's a very I think, hands-off player is a coach. Um, he just kind of has the natural ability and you got to let him play a little bit more of a casual style like you're saying, Thorne, and maybe he doesn't want to do all the hard work all the time, but you just kind of have to not push him. Because you know, I see, he seems performed. to come
0: with a very good set of references as well, Monty. Like, if he, you know, the whole problem Wonder has is that perception that he was like a humanoid. He's you know, doesn't give a fuck or whatever. Like, differences that's never borne out in the stories. There are no yeah. every, every teammate coach tells you actually that's like, just half of that's a meme and he is like a oh, legit yeah. guy. and He's making him practice. Yeah, he comes with such a great reference. I just but think he's he's he more laid go.
1: back. You know what I mean? He's just more laid back, and I think perhaps he doesn't do well with. You know, somebody who's in his face, like demanding performance um, because you just kind of have to leave him to his own device. He
0: sounds like the guy who can just do his homework without having to yes. do any extra work. So he's Correct. like, well, then why should we go to study class? Like, but the point is, some people need it. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, what yeah, yeah. like, the, the dispute is. That's
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, a, a good analogy. Um, but anyway, so here we are with no upset. Right. You replace him with Reckless. Then you go back begging to upset Reckless. Finds out about it. That that's all your your team morale must already be poisoned. This is
0: mismanagement and a half, yeah. exactly. Yeah, your team morale must already be poisoned. <laughs> Let's piss <laughs> off the guy who stayed.
1: By the way, yeah, that's so exactly. mad. It? I know. <laughs> and, and, and that's the. It seems like the fanatic <laughs> way. Just piss off the players that stay. Think One about that's like, like, you like go- of bullshit, that's man. like your
0: long term girlfriend finds not even like evidence you cheated on her. Just an elaborate fantasy plan you had of how you wanted to cheat on her but then the person you were going to cheat on her with said no and now you're like but I'm back honey I love you though it's like you've already ruined this relationship as well now it's so awkward like it was already pretty bad but now it's even
1: worse that's exactly that's exactly (laughs) the reference I made on uh, on power spike to the situation where it's like you know Sam Matthews and the fanatic management is upset is their ex-girlfriend that they're trying to go back to in the relationship with their current girlfriend it's like no I didn't mean it baby you're good Yes. (laughs)
0: And by the way, this all loops back into the original point I made. Like one, here's the part that no one bothers to ask about with the whole Fnatic thing. You know, the story goes that apparently the reason all those other ADCs, including Upset, declined the starting spot on Fnatic was they heard you have to play with rocks. Now here's the question why have they painted into that corner who the fuck is Rocks it's just <laughs> some guy who stood in for a couple of years you know what I mean like that's the mistake Fnatic made why have they put all their eggs in the Rocks basket so now the best AD in the west not only won't play for you but now has gone to a bloody rival like that's mental in itself because that's a massive fuck up like as far as I can tell that was one of the main things that also made upset like well I'm not bloody do- I'm not having even worse year than last year I'll just tank my stock completely and spoiler he's one of those rare people like Doublelift who were right actually sometimes you sit out don't tank your stock wait till someone's desperate and you get to just ride back in like the cavalry and save the day and you never had to put in any hours played on SK or Astralis or some shit team where yeah true you're gambling that you ruin your whole rep and you get called crap etc and then the other thing I'd say is this the so far if you will if Yamato Cannon was still in this team, Monty, one of the knocks against him would be things like the lack of synergy between Razorc and Humanoid. Well, we've now seen that ain't fucking Yamato Cannon, is it? If anything, Yamato Cannon's the only person who appeared to have found some sort of a band-aid for all the flaws they had in the team. At certain points, guys, he was band-aiding Razorc, Humanoid, and Hillersang. And three, you, you know how I wear that's not even a band-aid at that point. That's like I come in and three of my limbs are blown off, and you're putting band-aids on. Like, I ain't walking, and in this scenario, they're bloody running, they'll come in third. Remember, they were supposed to be in the final, they went to worlds, and at worlds, by the way, I agree that super team completely failed. Still did dust off fucking T1, who almost won Worlds <laughs> in a game with Razork popping off at that unpopular whatever. Like, mate, that was actually like a it's a one-off banger. That's just a testament. Like, if you think you cut the amount of cannon did nothing. I don't think people oh, yeah. know. They really think he can do nothing, and the game just happens. Like he did everything there. He did the draft, the practice, the thing, and then he got results. He got some top places. He got the odd run. So, look, I'm not saying he's the best coach ever, but again, if you're a fanatic, what was your choice? Like, you know, what was the, what are you what are you choosing between?
1: I mean, I think I think Yamato Cannon did a lot with some some synergy between his players that was clearly broken, and he he really MacGyvered that lineup into relevancy yes and i think that's a massive credit to him because i think this particular group of players he was actually fixing the damage that the gm has done and yes. if anything you ask Yamato to stay on on fanatic and you say okay how do we address this situation because wow you did a lot with the pieces that we had in spite of all of the problems but he's not a fucking miracle worker he can't change people's personalities in order to mesh better which as far as I can tell, seems to be the central problem of Fnatic. It's not an individual player ability. It is that this team cannot function as a unit. But none of us can say why that is, because we're not in the room with these players. Like, I have no idea what exactly about this group of personalities isn't working. Yamato does, a cost. <laughs> you yes. know. Yamato does. Like, why would you get rid of the guy who actually knows how to at least make these players work well enough together to go to worlds and try and get him to be the architect of some new team? And it's clear that many of the players still like and respect him. I mean, they're on his stream all the time, oh, talking absolutely. to him, and like, yeah. you know, he still has a very good rapport uh, with like Wonder and some of the other players on this roster. So, I mean, I think. I think this roster needed to be retooled. And it's almost like they make the worst decision every time, Thorin. It's like, yes. now, now, after last year, we only have the defective part of this roster, which is Razork and Humanoid. Like, this is, one of these guys needed to be changed. I think, the unfortunately, the one who needed to be changed was Razork, because Humanoid, I think, has a higher upside.
0: Basically, um, Sam Matthews did a fucking Anakin Padme meme, Monty, where he was like, "You know what, guys? I've heard your complaints, and there will be drastic changes in the off season." Then Padme is like, "You mean to Razor, humanoid, and, and 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 fucking Hillisang, right? The bad players, right, right?" And then he's just like. <laughs> Because <laughs> he did make, <laughs> listen he, up, he made drastic changes just all the wrong ones yeah. It just made the team even worse basically fucked <laughs> it completely. Yeah. I
1: think they got bamboozled by the the individual highs of Razork and humanoid like I said um and they we do know they were trying to change out Razork but maybe they couldn't find the right player but oh,
0: don't blame them for you, that one. Like look the upset did, you, one and the Razork one. I can see all those ones they zigged when they should have zagged. Those ones could have gone differently.
1: Yeah, but I mean we also know that Marcoon was available. Uh, during the offseason and marcoon was no slouch last year. And if you wanted to take Advienne, well, Marcoon and Advienne had instant synergy. Yeah. Um back when they were playing together on XL. So I don't think Advienne is a great player. Um, but he's I just do all think, right. He's LEC quality, yeah. but he's just yeah, all right. Yeah he's the, he's pretty good. Yes.
0: Um
1: but if you really needed to replace Hillisong, but I think if you if you talk about okay if you need to replace Hillisong for whatever reason then maybe having the upset Advien-Marcoon-Humanoid-Wonder roster may, I mean, in retrospect, that probably looks a lot better. I think Marcoon's having a great year.
0: By the way, there was one last angle on the Yamato thing I want to hit because I think this is what might seem like a counterintuitive point, but you might get it if you can understand how players talk, Right. As you said, Monty, Yamato is very popular with his former players, by the way. Like, not only do you never see them trashing him, but as you say, most of them actually actively participate in content with him, have, yep. like, like if he interviews him, they have a very friendly relationship with him. One thing I've always thought was a very underrated skill he had is seemingly like people skills. If people don't know... um Yamato is one of those people who in football, European soccer, is like a big fan of coaches like Jose Mourinho where he's one mm. of those guys like a Phil Jackson where he has the tackling. But He's also more about like you build a relationship with your star and you figure out what motivates him and you know which button to push and you also, it's the idea, it's a, it's more of like a European approach because obviously there's not, there's many like, like, there aren't timeouts in the same way once you can't implement your strategy directly. The European approach to management or coaching is more like you try and inspire, you're almost like the Use you try and draw the great performance out of the play, you make him want to run harder when it's a game where he's already done like mad up and down the pitch and give more to give you the extra good. Like that's what you're trying to do if you're a great manager. I think Yamato has that because not only have I seen him get like performances out of individuals, but I also get the vibe, like he he actually is the whisperer to some degree. Because if yeah. you notice, one thing I thought was there's two angles to this I want to hit for people. One is if you think oh, that's just because he's a cool guy that all the pros that he played with are nice to him. Some of the pros we're talking about are the biggest name, most arrogant people in Le- European League of Legends. They wouldn't prop up a coach who was a fraud and they just liked as a person and say he's a great coach. They wouldn't do that. They would be the opposite. They'd flame you. And then the second part, and this is quite a key point to understand is, I actually think that Yamato is also someone where, if you look at his career, I actually think he's someone as well where, fuck, where was I going with this one? What was I doing before that other point? Let me think. So do the uh, point about him being man management and talking to the players. I mean, he was a
1: pro player, too, at one point in time.
0: What the fuck was a my second one. point on that one? <laughs> I didn't know the point on that. Let me think it I through. was sorry. <laughs> it's all good. I want to just get to that last point so I can get it out. Yeah,
1: it I mean, else. I would say, like, at least he, you know, he also has the cred with pro players because he was he was one um, at, at one point in time. And I will say just in my personal Yamato is a good friend of mine and even when he was like 19 years old, he was incredibly mature for his age.
0: Um, Oh, he was. people don't know. I think he was coaching, dude, at like 22 or 21 or something. I know he looked super pro because he had to suit him, but he was actually quite young, yeah.
1: I mean, I started working with him on like Analyst Desk when he was 19. Um, Right. And he he was incredibly mature at the time, super easy to work with, very professional. I also think that, um his language skills probably help with a lot of the players that he he speaks with he's fluent in four or five different languages um so you know if he's talk he can talk natively to you know swedish and polish players um and he, I, he he just really understands the world of being a professional player and has lived in it for so long and is he's he's seen so many different teams at this point he's traveled around the world he's lived in korea coaching and so he's just very Calm as a person, um, very stable. Doesn't get flustered. Has great game knowledge. Um, has great people skills. Like, I can segue thing. this
0: in now. Now I know what my point was. I've, I've got it back now. Here's okay. the point, right? Here's how you know Monty that he is doing some kind of like whispering with the players and getting them all on the right page. It was when you said earlier about the morale in the team. Dude, have you seen the morale in teams this guy coaches? Even a super team that had completely imploded Monty, there was all those stories behind the scenes of like, well, there's no way these guys are playing together next year. Some of them don't like each other. Maybe they did the wrong move, right? Think about this. If you had a super team, Monty, and it was going to be good at one point in a split, but then fail, it wouldn't do this, Monty. It wouldn't fail and then get really good at the end and succeed. It'd be the other way around. You'd start out good and then become bad. And at the end of the split, you wouldn't make playoffs. You'd fail. You wouldn't make well... Dude, that actually implies he had to have done something. Because anyone who saw Fnatic in the summer split last year, uh, uh, sort of like the halfway or the two-thirds point through the regular split, they were done, mate. That was a team you could have bet your life that XL and Vitality and all those squads would be other misfits. You could have guaranteed this team would just miss playoffs. They'd have to break the squad up. Everyone's fired. No worlds. Instead, they just made playoffs. Why would you rally with a super team that's failed with all broken relationship? That implies someone's holding that motherfucker together. Something is holding that together. So he right he got them to rally, go to the playoffs. In the playoffs, remember they got murked immediately, but then did that lower bracket run all the way through. All the yep. way through. Yep. And they and remember, they were even potentially gonna make the final if coy hadn't played out their mind. So like that, and then go to worlds, and as I say, win a game off the team that wins the world, or was going to win the world championship, almost won the world cup. Like that implies he has to have done something again. I think people are way too reductive about coaches. You, ca- if you really think you sit there, it's why I can't handle the grabs analysis of Reddit dude. It actually gives me like brain cancer. Because think about it, they really believe he just sat there saying nothing, Monty, and that caps right. This is how dumb y'all are. Because caps has really sick fingers. You also think his brain knows all the waves. in a game of League of Legends and all the macro does it he doesn't there's no player like that in the entire world of League of Legends even the best Asian player right now on an LCK LPL team does it with his team and his coaching staff that's how they implement those aspects of the game like the idea that like these star players they're not they're not geniuses like that guys that doesn't exist why do people still think like, they still, here's the problem, Monty. It's actually an ill age-old issue I have in esports. I've always explained it like this. I think people think knowledge is linear and it's like levels on Pokemon. And they think that, because Faker was like, let's just say Faker as an example. He's the highest level Pokemon ever, Monty. So they think that means he has every level below and every other skill set and knowledge in Pokemon in this analogy, right? He doesn't. He's just really, it's like top trumps. He's skilled in certain areas and other there, he's just a normal human. Like no one person has all this knowledge like it's all coaching stuff it's all teams it's all support networks like that's why I hate that angle that like Yamato does nothing because he has a good vice grabs just did nothing in the perks and cap <laughs> did anyone see these teams by the way am I the only one who's been watching these teams I've seen perks <laughs> playing two different teams without fucking grabs now the drafts are pretty shit without inmates what do you want about <laughs> they play by the way I was told that it was all the players and that perks was just good at AD perks left and G2 looked like a totally different team with four of the same players and the same coach like Like, the impacts are so much bigger than people give credit for. It's so reductive to say these coaches suck. I'll tell you right now, I don't believe, I've always said this, Monty, I don't believe any coach can win the championship and suck. They might not be the best, but they can't suck. I you can't talk. It's a simple shot calling. You cannot win the championship and have bad shot calling. You might not be the best, <laughs> but you cannot have bad shot calling. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, there, there is, there's a fundamental truth to that because you at least have to have your strategy enough together. And the way League of Legends works is that you can really dig your soul, or you dig yourself into a hole in terms of draft or in terms of macro. And it's not that any game is fundamentally unwinnable, but it's unlikely you're going to win a title if you start at negative 25% in both of those compared to yes. your opponent. You know, it's it's
0: not exactly. Like yes.
1: Uh, but yeah, I think he is underrated. And I think the moves that Fnatic has made continue to make no sense. And, you know, they may just be backed into a corner now, Thorin, like Oscarinen could be the best option they had if wonder doesn't want to play on this team but what does it say that nobody wants to play on Fnatic anymore i mean this is this is the same issue that you see when a team starts to lose prestige it's it's all great to play on a team that has a high prestige value and everybody wants to go there but once you lose that luster man it doesn't come back and then you actually have to have competent gming to make up for it
0: it's what happened to tsm it's what happened to tsm man the problem is i can't also handle that guy's name Because it's like what? You mean some guy who probably shouldn't even be on LEC anymore? Really obnoxious 1v1 who's just going to feed and lose all the time? More like frost scoring. No,
1: whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: oh, you see where I was going. That way? You see how I was going. It doesn't quite fit the vibe, you know, whatever. Because I don't even know why they've done that signing. By the way, here's a bigger point though. And I think this is more alarming. I said it at the beginning, but people at the moment are just mainly talking about the, I know now with the problem is if you notice between splits, we're sort of calling that off season for some weird reason in league. I, I think we need a different term for that. Like, I don't know what you'd call it, but off-season to me should be like the end of the season before the whole season begins. I think the terminology is a bit scoffed. But in that period between the winter split and the spring split, obviously people are mainly still for Fnatic on those angles of like, but the upset drama and his and staying. Here's the point that we need to address. Bear in mind, they started 0-3 and there are only six more games, Monty. Dude, this team's going to miss the playoffs again. Am I, no, the groups rather. They're going to miss it again. Because look at the other teams in this, right? Even at the ones we like, we were just criticizing Heretics earlier. Heretics surely can win a game against Fnatic. That's not implausible.
1: They get one of those leads, they'll win. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> like They're if you look bad. at
0: the if you look at the table right now, like yeah, Heretics probably also the other team that's going to fail. But like, why would any of these teams above them fail? You know what I mean? Like even the smaller names, Monty, Astralis, BDS. These teams are better than Fnatic. They are. I know the names aren't, but these teams like Astralis is way better than Fnatic, dude.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the thing here is that um, with Fnatic, so first off, they had a tough week because they played XL, SK, and uh, Vitality. Next well, week, they- Here's
0: the problem. You're not allowed to say you have a tough week if you play XL. Like, which is it? Were they actually really good or were they the worst team in the whole <laughs> league? Which is it? if they were the worst team in the whole league Isn't and only changed one player, no, they do, but you know what I mean? Like, if people are going to, you can't give them a pass for that. that that's on paper when you're well, supposed to get, you know.
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think I think, though, that we'll get to this when we talk about vitality. Yeah. But I think that uh, changing a one player can have a massive effect. Oh, of course. And it, I think XL needed to change a player just for morale reasons. The problem with XL is that the only team they beat was Fnatic, but also they played Vitality and G2, the, the two best teams in the league. So I'm not reading too much into that one just yet. But it was also like Odo Omne actually just putting Oscar and, and into the grave yep. in that game. And it was it was extremely one sided, which is obviously a great sign for Excel because we expect more out of them. And and next week will be a, a much different test for this team that I think are teams that are probably more of their caliber and not among the top two that we expect to go to MSI. Um, but I think with in Fanatic's case, yeah, they start oh three. Now Astralis did go three and six last split and actually make it to the group stage. So you can go three and six. I would say that's really the 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 cutoff. But I expect in the Here's future. Here's the question that you, then. What What three games are they winning, Monty? Exactly. exactly. So let me finish is that I think that three and six probably in many splits in this format will it'll not be the bottom eight. It'll be yeah, the bottom it it'll, it'll not be yes. top um, eight. Yes. B- just because we ended up having a one and eight and two and seven teams last split, I don't think those are going to be common results. Logically, it's really difficult to yes. only win. One or two games.
0: When you have a nine game be- round robin, logically you'll end up with loads of middle teams that are four and five and five and four. That's just what yes. will happen most times. Yeah, I agree.
1: So I think that, you know, we may see some splits where two, three, and six teams don't make it um, yes. versus just having the one and eight and the two and seven. Yeah. Um. So this is all to say that starting 0-3 for Fnatic and Heretics is a very, very, very difficult hole to to dig yourself out of, because now you have to have at least one winning week to even make it to 3-6. and 6. And by your it's logic, it up. needs to be
0: next week, like you said, because they play Heretics, they play... Uh, her- BDS. BDS Heretics and Koi. Like, if you can't get two or oh, yes. three wins there, you probably are done. Yeah. If they
1: go one and two or 0 and three next week, the week after is Astralis, G2 and Mad Lions, which is harder. So it really is making it more and more difficult. But I, I mean, I think Fnatic is fundamentally broken as They're a right, team. Yeah. And, they, and that this, this as, in spite of what I just said about teams not going one and eight, this team could maybe go one and eight or 0 and nine just because I think they have no motivation to play.
0: You know what, as well, and this might sound like a weird angle, but I'm going to take it. I agree with what you said earlier. I don't believe for real that Razork and uh, Humanoid are bad players. Here's the joke: I actually do think right now that Reckless looks like a pretty lost cause because he just kind of doing with nothing, and he just looks bad, and he and he even looks like his morale is bad. He doesn't have faith in the team, and he's upset with the orc. Like th- the problem with him is there's too many red flags. I think for real, the other annoying thing about this Fnatic team is you're holding up all the talent. Like, get- can't Humanoid go and play on like SK Gaming or something where he might like pop off and revitalise his career? Can't <laughs> fucking Razork go and be on like fucking BDS or something you know what I mean like these would be cool moves man like let this talent go elsewhere and they actually can maybe turn their career around
1: yeah yeah. I mean I I, I think basically Fnatic is just a waiting room for the next teams for Razork and Humanoid because obviously they're going to get offers based yes. on their previous highs uh, it's just I think that there isn't a reason to play well for this Fnatic team if if you're on it because the management seems to have chipped away at everything that was making you successful and the fall from grace from going to worlds to now has been so complete and the players that they've kept are the ones that obviously just fundamentally can't work together so it's a very weird it's a very strange situation but i don't think it's going to get better
0: by the way You'll notice I don't actually do the main focal point of the discussion most people do on FNAC, which is just that Dardo guy. Partly because a lot of people don't know anything about this guy. They've just heard, I don't but know look, he had all these. Them. Exactly. So, what I'll say is this the one area I will agree with the general sentiment goes like this. As we discussed earlier, this wasn't just like one bad move or you did a move that could have worked it just didn't work out. They did sort of, like you said, Monty, almost the worst decision in each set of circumstances they were presented, but about seven times in a row. So I would say this this would be a rare example where I wouldn't keep literally any of these players. I would release all five and I would go on whoever my general manager is. I would replace him with someone who has a vision for what Fnatic's going to be now because clearly you need to totally rethink the whole squad. And that means whoever comes in is going to have, I think you've got to have in mind, like this is the player I'm going to gamble on to build around. I'm going to do this here. Because the other thing that's sad about this for me is, obviously there was a world where maybe they did get El Yoya. Maybe that fixed everything with him. Yeah, Maybe that turned everything around. But here's the other thing. That opportunity isn't coming again. Because if you're El Yoya, why would you ever join Fnatic now? Now it's not even worth it for the money, dude. Because you know the team might be shit. So I think unfortunately that was their one chance to maybe get the sort of retool this roster. So if I'm them, I'm just, I'm just changing the whole squad after this, unless they have a miracle turnaround now and somehow people just look way better. But that's the other thing because they've also sort of shredded some of the name value. You don't even feel like this. I know it because it's fanatic. You think they should do a turnaround. If you actually look at the players on paper and then in the server, why should they be a top eight team? Like actually think it would be reasonable for them to be the ninth team, Monty. I don't think it's like an unfair judgment at all. It's It's about how they play.
1: Yeah. And look, there are some good potential GMs floating around. If you don't want to get Yamato back, like what about Deficio? I haven't, Deficio did an amazing job, I think, of jamming Misfits on a low budget. So why not? Yeah. Why not go to him? I mean, he still works for Misfits, but he's not working on the that.
0: Do Dude, think about in Origin. He's the one who whispered and got fucking Nukedok Alfari and upset on budget into a team. (laughs) Guys, those are like some of the best players in their positions. You had them on budget plan. So I think if you gave this guy the Fnatic budget, man, he could fucking maybe make you a champion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not sure how much of the Fnatic budget actually exists anymore, to be fair. I think a lot of teams are spending bigger than Fnatic is at the moment, especially with teams like Vitality and Excel. And and SK was actually trying to spend big this offseason too. Uh, They couldn't necessarily attract the players, but now that they have a little bit more prestige and they've shown that they can put together a good roster, maybe that's, that would be an opportunity, uh, you know, for, for big name players to go join SK as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a it's an interesting conundrum for fanatic. I do think you have to dump everybody. I like I like you said, I'm not so I don't know enough about Dardo to actually opine on that. And for all we know, Dardo is being pressured by team ownership to make yeah, these decisions. Knows? He could be a figurehead. We just don't know. He could be disagreeing with them actively, but having his hand forced by, evil by the management of the team.
0: If the evil geniuses Danny scenario has taught us nothing, take this as a conclusion: just because an org says they have a system or says someone made a decision, does not mean that they did at all. Because I've heard within Evil Geniuses, for example, we all thought like they had complete control; they had the keys to the car. We find out now, money they weren't even allowed to choose who was the active players in a (laughs) fucking match. Like so, sometimes the org do they always like to present it like it's just the fault of the coach or whoever? Like sometimes, as you say. Some of these people behind the scenes, they'll even just tell you, like, "Look, I would have been fired if I didn't do what my boss said." So they just do it. It's not my style. I'm a different type of guy. But a lot of people, they they just value job security and they know like you have to. It's all that shit they have in American corporate culture. You know, you gotta you gotta be a team player and take one for the team and all that jazz. Like, I hate that personally. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, who who knows who was doing these decisions in Fnatic? Who knows.
1: Yeah, that's why I think it's, you know, the decisions we know have been bad, but unless there's an investigative report that says who made them, it's just without being in the team, it's just very, very difficult. That's why, them. you
0: know what, I'll even go one further. Here's why it can't just be the Dardo guy. Keyword, just. Because what people are forgetting is this, Monty. You know, it's one of the reasons why I like to remember context is because it lets you go back in time and remember, oh, yeah, I didn't see things how I see things now. And you can sort of remove the fucking hindsight 2020 vision glasses and remember that everyone's eyesight is flawed. So here's the analogy, Monty. When this team, Fnatic, announced their roster for spring last year... Everyone on all my shores, including me, was like, this is an amazing roster, and in fact, they should win everything. So yep. if if the Dardo guy built that team, yes, we know now it wasn't the best, but it was still A, not bad at all. It was still a contender, and then B... Uh, on paper, it actually looked like it had amazing potential. Like when yeah. I saw that lineup, remember Razor was coming off like MVP oh, yeah. quality, you know, split was- with misfit, humanoid was a stud, dude, one in natural success, even you had Wonder fucking coming in, you got upset there. And Hillersang that was the best spot lane before, dude. That looked like an amazing roster. Yeah. So, like if you if you also agreed it was an amazing roster. Then why can you blame the Dardo guy? He also didn't have access to the future. He also didn't yeah, know what was gonna happen. Exactly. So it's like you gotta it's like with Excel, mate. I'll flame the fuck out how bad XL played. But I thought they were the best. I right. thought they were going to be no more. So I, I, mean, I can't you, go. You know, this GM and XL needs to be fired because by that logic, my brain needs to be fired. I thought the same shit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I think it
1: was, a, it was a very good roster on paper that people should have been excited about. Like yes. Razork, Razork and Humanoid were two of the top free agents that Fnatic went out and courted. Upset was amazing. Hillisang, is, yes. a hu- Hillisang and Wonder have huge legacies uh, within, within the LEC. There is nobody who would have said that this roster looks like shit. Sometimes you just get unlucky with personalities and synergy, guys. And that's just how it goes. Remember when Misfits put together their super team years ago? You wouldn't have said that that roster looked bad on paper, but they turned out to be terrible. And you make the playoffs. <laughs> that's just sports, yeah. man. Like, sometimes you just yes. get fucking unlucky. Sometimes yeah. you just get fucking unlucky. And honestly, Fnatic didn't get, even get that unlucky because they still went to Worlds. At the end of the day, they still got the top three that they needed to get themselves to the most important tournament of the year. So it wasn't even that bad. So you get, I mean, Fnatic fans are just horrible. So I I understand why they're doing this, but I, you know, it, it really has just been the GMing decisions in the off season. And so far this year that have been bad. I don't think that the underlying principles of the way they set up the team last year was bad.
0: Oh no, aside from like this these two splits this year, I thought in general like they've done a fine enough job with the roster. Yeah, I, I think it was yeah. disappointing
1: because we expected them to be better than they were, but end of the day they finish top three. They go to worlds.
0: Yes. Can't be that I will bad. say though, just as an aside, to, to wrap the topic, the other reason if you're fanatic, I would be concerned is you've already hit the status that TSM's been in the last few years, which is listen, right now, reckless isn't what Bjergsen used to be. Nobody's joining teams to play with reckless right now. That's not the case anymore. That was the case back in the day. You had an expect here, reckless. These yeah, got caps. Of course, people joined to play with them. No one's joining TSM or, Reck- or fanatic for a particular player. And then even worse, the downside, even when when they were the best dogs. Was you'd get a lot of flame from fans. Guys, nobody wants to experience what those fucking players like Razork go through. If people haven't seen the story, Monty, I believe Razork even like left one of those like fan discords because they just couldn't stop going in on him like directly and was just sort of like, fuck, I can't bother with this. Like, like that, it isn't like that. Like, if you play on like SK or XL, listen, you might get flamed on Reddit, but like the fans aren't up your ass every bloody day. Like, you know what I mean? Like that. Essentially, people will only put up with that as an obvious occupational hazard of being on the best team. If you're going to be like barely a playoff team and then also have all this bad scrutiny and no big stars to come and play with, you're going to actually get into like TSM. You're going to have to start scrounging around, man. No big names are coming to your team. It's not going to happen anymore, I'm afraid. So that's also why, in my opinion, the decision you make with this GM, that's why it needs to be someone who can persuade the players. It needs to be someone who's got the ear of like a big star player and can build a squad around yeah. him. Because it can't just be a guy we've never heard of, I think, in my opinion.
1: No, I I agree with that. Um I think you I think you do have to have the prestige because the only way you can rebuild is through paying somebody to bring that prestige to your team at this point in time because you've lost the luster. Vitality?
0: Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing Monty, I'll uh, spoiler, I'll give you a little tease, cuz I already did this in the title of the video. I just said in the title of the video Vitality will win this split, the spring split. Because, yep. I, I mean, we discussed it a little bit on the bass one. By the way, all of our speculations were absolutely accurate. Notice how everything we said was the case. One, they can now play through all three lanes. Two, upset's really good right out the gate. Spolly hasn't even died yet. Three, magically, Kaiser's not the worst fucking player in the universe. It's like, dude, everything's fixed. I don't know how they've done it, but it's actually, it looks fucking great.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it just goes to show the power of swapping out a single player in the roster. If you really can take a superstar and slot them Which right you can in get them the
0: absolute best player <laughs> upgrade for that position. Yes. Exactly.
1: Uh, but, I mean, it does look like <laughs> night and day difference and, and, I also think you know part of this is going to be that Kaiser will be, has been, and will be playing more engaged supports at the time. But I I think even that can be a little bit misleading because he was dying at level one as Nautilus in some of these games at the end of at the end of last split. So it's not like he was looking amazing even on champions that you think might suit his playstyle a little bit better. But it really is, and perhaps it was just a motivation issue or a synergy issue with Neon on that bot side. But damn, this team turned it right around. Looks great again. I will say the caveat is they started strong last split too. Well, they did. And then True. fell off a cliff by yes. the end.
0: So maybe it's a problem up the brakes on this one. But looks I great. I've thought it through, and the wording is totally legit, and anything that happens in people's minds is up to them, Monty. I'm not, I am not—I can't control the way people's minds work. Spoiler, if I could, it'd be a very different scene. So all I'll say is the obvious joke, but I'll phrase it very carefully so that we can all have fun but not get in trouble. So all I'm going to say is, Monty, I know it's early days. We've only seen three games, but people did speculate. Obviously, there should be improved comms between um, Kaiser and Upset because they're both German, so I don't know what it is. Maybe there's just <laughs> something about the German language that makes following be- orders easier. Yeah. damn I told you I'd be very careful here's the difference it's not like back in the day where I would just say the shit and there'd be some Reggie angle we'd get wrecked like we get away with it now it's all good it's all good it's all good it's all good, it's all good. exactly that was, that was just the
1: right amount of spicy I think it
0: was it was <laughs> But by yeah, the way I mean, I, a, another angle I have on this team as well and this is one that I think's mad missed is Bearing in mind now, they do have, like, let's be real, like, the best ADC is on their team, and they have the best top laner. The jungle is in contention for the best. Like, fuck it. This, like, now is almost like super team status, dude. This looks really, really... Like, this is the reason why I'm so hyped. Look, it's not that G2 couldn't win the split. G2 was a very strong contender, too. The difference is, the reason I dream that Vitality gets really good is, I think this is the team that could do something internationally if they're good, bro. The fucking bore factor opposite. Like, this team could be really dangerous.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what we're all hoping for too, because with MSI having two teams, we want the second European yes. team to also potentially do some damage. You don't want any and fucking
0: Core or Mad Lions, come on, guys, come on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> send these two teams, please, please. <laughs> I,
1: uh, yeah, you guys really don't want to see what happens to Koi or Mad Lions when they when they start hitting like T1 or oh, they will or get by the
0: Asian teams, mate. They will get sore murdered. You know, yeah.
1: you you don't want to see that but i do think the g2 has enough star power and also has the kind of crazy uh the crazy factor to surprise people they're genuinely a very good team and this iteration of vitality it's if kaiser is performing to the level that he has in the past it's very difficult to see what the weak, weak link is going to be because a lot of these players do have international success such as perks right or they are really really promising at a mechanical level um like Bo or Photon are these guys that have shown they can really hold their own. And there's no reason to believe that Photon would be per- outside of nerves would be performing poorly internationally. He's not at the same level as some of the top like Korean or Chinese top laners, but I think he could hang okay. You could hang,
0: okay? Dude, I know everyone's obviously bigged him up, and we all even said he's the best top player and stuff. But, like, I don't think people are taking this into account. Like, one, he actually technically at the moment is the better rookie out of him and fucking Bo, who I think on paper should be, like, the best rookie ever. And then secondly, has the four time guy yet had a bad game? Have I missed it? Dude, he never has a bad... Even when they lose, it's like he actually does well or gets like kills in lid, and then they just don't win with him as the top player. Like, it's also like, when his team is behind. Sometimes, bad.
1: you know, he makes the teleport flank play that gets them back into the game Yeah, as well. To, like course, he's a playmaker. Yeah. Um, these I mean, guys are stud, mate. It's just crazy how
0: consistent he is, isn't it? His floor yeah. is really high as well.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's super consistent. I think he's done an amazing job with this team. I think he was overall the best player on this roster. Throughout the split, maybe he didn't have the same highs, but he certainly didn't have the lows of some of the some of his teammates. Yes. So, also, yeah. as an
0: aside, I actually had an abstract concept I wanted to run by you and see what you think. Another reason I also think on paper this is going to be amazing. I've always bigged up that I wanted Perks and Upset to play together. But even stylistically, I think they're an amazing pairing, Monty, because not only a mid and ADC, traditionally the two best roles to carry through if you're not Korean, because bizarrely, if people don't know, Koreans just always had all this amazing top lane lineage, etc., and they could have the weak side ADC. Every other region, it's about strong side ADC and a strong mid laner. Right? Not only are those two people who fit, those roles but I've always said this and so I said it in my video about this topic I actually think the mistake with a lot of super teams in the past is when the two stars like that are the same player like you know when Reckless joined Elements the problem he had was him and Froggen are the same player but playing AD and mid. So you just end up with like a very limited style because the two players are the... I think what you want actually is you want people who have contrasting style. So what I love about Perks is his whole shit's like he's going to pull it out the fire, he's going to do the crazy clutch play, the decisive thing. He's going to go and make a play. He's not trying to perfectly CS like Larson and just winning. He's not trying to chovey the game. He's more in the faker Zhao mould. So the good thing is Upset is that guy but for ADC he's the super consistent, high floor, always has all the champions will always do if you have the two together you just have the complete team it gives you that it gives you the options as to what you do and you cover each other's flaws like if Perks has a bad laning game bro he's got the best side laners in the game he's got on him. upset if someone like upset is just laning but it's just going average he's got the guy who can do the hero play it's not all on his shoulders 1v9 at the end of a game I actually think there's another aspect is you want people who like complement each other with their strengths it's not the same strength or the same weakness or you'll be too one dimensional I think
1: Yeah. I I think the on paper roster, I mean, we said this about vitality before though, that, you know, surely this must be the time that it works and the strong start is a great indication. It's also the way that they're winning and the way they've looked much more dominant and that, snap of the fingers all their bot lane woes seem to be fixed it looks like switching neon out was the right call instead of kaiser that perhaps that was the issue or the synergy was the issue and kaiser was going to be able to rebound it's what we said especially because the way that riot seems to be balancing is towards kaiser's strengths that he's probably the player that you keep and then also it has to do with the available free agents on the market when upset is just sitting there uh there's not the equivalent upset support that is currently unsigned to a roster that you could make a massive upgrade on. So you upgrade the, you know, the difference between Neon and Upset is much greater than, there isn't a better option than Kaiser that I'm aware of. You'd be taking a risk on a lower level player that might have more upside in the future, but it's just an instant upgrade. And I think that at least Perks, you know, if there are some personality, potential personality issues with Upset, that Perks is a veteran enough player to kind of mitigate that quite a bit, I would think. Um, and honestly, uh, I'm pretty sure photon is used to being criticized about his play and being held to a higher standard because he came through the Korean training system. So maybe that problem just doesn't exist. And Kai, like you said, Kaiser is also German. So he's used to the bluntness in many ways. <laughs> like, but you know who, that was a pop? who is going to be missed. perturbed? Like who is going to be perturbed by upset being a little bit blunt on this roster?
0: You know, that was the part about that whole Danny thing that I thought got a little bit missed because if you notice, I was very light on mentioning like the idea like teammates might not have liked him. I just said it as a general thing. I didn't tell you who, but like it was obviously implied. Like here's the problem because it what you have to understand is there was a good and a bad. Like the bad is this Monty. A lot of Koreans especially don't get the idea that you have mental health problems. Their whole shit's like, just play. Like dude, just play. Like it's fun. We're paid to play. We just do our best. Do as many hours as you can. Quitting is even an option. You're not even allowed to sub out. Like, that, that's their vision of the game. But the other thing is, the good part is this. That's why those coaches and the other Koreans were like sub him immediately if he's having problems. now, will get him out of the team completely. So it's like in a way there was like it was it's like it, it covered for itself because that could have been really brutal if they were just essentially hitting on the guy because he couldn't play. But they thought you should play like a Korean would. But the the good side, as people noticed, was once they identified as a problem like they would in Korea. In Korea, they sub you off the game one of a series, guys. Like they don't sit around and let you tank for months and months. If they think you have problems, they go right that's very sad. Get the fuck out of the team. Like, that's all... <laughs> the good news is, yeah, like you said, like, I mean, LBL is the same way, right? <laughs> LBL is yeah, the exactly. same way.
1: They have enough redundancies that they don't, you know, they, they have a more brutal competitive structure because there are more options. So the teams can, can be more cutthroat um, yes. and, and have players that rise up and can replace them. So I don't know. I think, uh, I think this team what I would assume about their personalities is that these guys all are pretty fierce competitors and want to win and can hold each other accountable in a way. And that's an environment that you want. And I I still have faith in their coaching staff. I think Carter did a really good job on Misfits last year. It's a great change that they've made. It seems to have borne fruit immediately. And I'm very excited to hopefully see this team internationally. I think that finally we have arrived at the vitality roster that can win the league.
0: Yes. I think we switch up and do like LPR or LCK. You want to All do right.
1: it? Yep.
0: Right. What about, um, let me see. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Look, we've bigged them up a fucking million times. So we just do it now. Like, There's a reason, by the way, I told you guys out there, if you want to talk about Dark Horses, I already knew mine from the beginning of the split. They're called KT Rolster, and they are (laughs) the fucking Dark Horse in World League of Legends. Like, between them and over in the LPL Weibo, bro, these teams, it's like, they. what makes them infuriating is they can beat the absolute best teams. You go, awesome, but then you just see them also play some mad sketchy game against some, like, you know, sixth team, and you're like... That's so it's like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, like I love the one that the underdog basically Monty. If they're the underdog, I love watching a KT rolls for game. You know.
1: Um, yeah, I think I think KT is very good. Um, what gives me a lot more confidence in the KT that we're seeing right now compared to the KT that we saw a couple weeks ago is that we are we're we're seeing. We're seeing an iteration of this team. So, if we roll back a couple of weeks to when KT uh, was was losing to D plus, um, oh sorry, not D plus. Uh, when they were losing, yeah, when they were losing to D plus and T one. So they had they had a hard week. And I think what was key to remember about that week, and I said it at the time, is that KT didn't seem to be playing. KT champions and playing a style that made sense to them. When they went up against D Plus, they tried to take away the Lucian and Nami from D Plus, who is, who is undefeated with those champions. And they are just bad at playing Lucian I and mean, that's, that's, Nami. They're not that team. Like, you know, it, aiming aiming and La are not those guys. And so we get we got to see losses where it it seemed like they were doing a poor imitation of their opponents. And part of this was caused by the fact that D plus had identified if they first pick Karma on blue side and they take away the Sejuani and the Jacks, that KT really didn't have a lot to stand on at that point in time. And I think that T1, while being the better team than KT at the, the current point in time, we expected T1 to win that series. But they did dominate in a way. And KT also just, they were so reliant on scaling up, aiming in the bot side on Ezreal or Zeri and using the karma as a crutch to kind of get him through the laning phase and not get completely shoved in. Um, and scaling up on the jacks on the top side and using the Sejuani in the jungle. And then that would be combined with BDD playing a champion like, you know, a Z or a typical controller. Classic. Mate. Yeah, and he is an an exemplary Azir player. So I think that what we saw from KT was a little one-note. But what has happened to KT since that point in time has been that the next week, we started to see a pretty big shift in their style. I think that they realized after uh, that hard week that they got exposed and that they weren't going to beat these teams in the playoff if they didn't have additional depth. So, this is when, we, we, starting with their victory over Gen G, uh, this is when we start to see a new style emerging KT. And it's not that they can't go back and do the things that they were doing very well. It's that now they can play a bunch of pick compositions that they were just not running before. Uh, it's when we saw the uh, the excellent draft that they had in Game Three into Gen G when they punished the blind Akali pick with the BDD's Twisted Fate, and basically made the game completely unplayable for Chovy. So the new thing that KT is doing is that they are running compositions where basically every single champion on their team has single target crowd control and. They will just control vision extremely well because KT was a very good vision team beforehand. There were points in this season where they were not actually buying a lot of pink wards, but they were, they had among the highest cleared wards. Uh, in the league. So they weren't spending a lot of money, but they were being very efficient with their vision. And if you watch the way that KT plays, it's it's almost like clockwork. Every time there's a dragon, they always have five pink wards. They're not overbuying them, as has been the criticism from people like LS. But then there'll be just a ring of pink, five pink wards around the objective. And I think they realized that while it was great that they could do a team fighting style with this, what would be even better if we know we have vision control, is to just pick somebody off as they, as they enter the river, as they're trying to contest themselves. And we can do that if every single champion that we're fielding has a, has a, like a single target CC. Uh, and that's what they've done. And they've been very successful with it. And here's the thing. That style has now opened up their old champions, which we also know that they're good at. So now the draft against KT, the draft problems that were exposed in week six don't exist anymore by week 8. So it was a very quick adaptation I think from their coaching staff and from their players and it's just been really really good. And now in addition to you know seeing things um like we w- like we saw previously with the Karma, with the Ezreal, the Zeri, the Sejuani, the Azir, the Jacks. Now they're running compositions, <laughs> listen to this. Renekton, Viego, Annie, Zaya Blitzcrank, <laughs> like lands has played two Blitzcrank games now, and he has been incredible on this champion. And the, the reason is, is because they're just so good at running these pick compositions now. That is not a composition that is going Hard to win to you a traditional five v five. But if you can get a pick off and get Viego rolling and snowballing, um, but uh, becoming other champions at the start of a fight, if the Blitzcrank hooks somebody in, you chain CC somebody. Uh, get the Viego reset, and then continue the fight. It's really great to watch. So what we've seen is a complete dimensionalization of KT it, strategically, and they also have had players that are performing extremely well at an individual level. I do think BDD is in the conversation for best mid laner in the LCK right now. I think he's been really good.
0: Along those lines, I want to ask you this. Should Aiming be an MVP candidate?
1: Uh, probably not at this point in time. Um, I would have considered more of an MVP candidate for summer last year rather yeah. than this year. I think the problem is this, Thorne. I think Caria is so clearly the MVP that it's even hard to have a conversation just about, yeah. <laughs> about anything anybody else. Um, oh, I'm with
0: you. I just mean, should he be in the conversation, basically?
1: Yeah, maybe. But I also think BDD is probably even the better choice for KT this split. Um, I think, I mean, if you watch some of this, what, what can't he do at this point in time? Like we know his Azir is great. His Yone has been great. He can play the melee champions. He can play the control mages looking good. Not that it's hard to look good on the Annie, but looking good on the Annie right now. Uh, He's just a massive, massive threat. So, I mean, I think, I think what's, what's fun about KT is that they really have hit a new level of depth that eluded them previously And the quick response to kind of getting decoded by some other top teams led them to reach new heights and achieve new things. And now they play differently. I mean, they play very differently. Like, if we think about KT stylistically, they're much more likely to run Talia, for example, in the mid lane. Um, GP has not been a super common pick, but Keen has been fucking great. He's good
0: on it, man. On GP, um,
1: which which adds, you know, another level to it. Oh, sorry. There's three Blitzcrank games. now. Excuse me. I I forgot about the one versus Breon later in the week. So we've had we've had three Blitzcrank games from Lehens. Um, They are they're a tough team to deal with right now. It is it is difficult to because if you don't ban the karma, then, you know, they're just going to go back to that. And then aiming becomes this late game Ezreal, this late game Zeri. That's a total monster. It's it's good. I mean, it's a good time to be KT, I think. A lot of weird pocket if, picks. If, a if you're only stylistic. casually
0: following LCK and you don't like know where we are in the season, there's only one week left, guys. And yep. the best part is if you go back to the conversations we had at the beginning of the split, the beginning of the split was all about like T1 and Gen G are just so far ahead. D plus is a bit disappointing. You know, let's see whether if he, these let's see if Hanwar's even good. By the end now, unless something goes drastically wrong next week, these playoffs are gonna be fucking amazing in LCK. Yes. Like this looks like it will actually be one of those ones where you don't just wait till the final of the semi-finals like all the series could be bangers now because the, the cool thing is this is another reason by the way why the whole MSI format just levels up the fucking scene because if it was only one team it's just going to be t one it would be a pretty boring story the second team out of Korea could be really interesting how these players play out like as, as we said on the last week it's even more so like the bracket will determine so much about it like as we said maybe Genji is the team that KT will upset but then again who the fuck knows what happens if Dan one plays KT you know what I mean It's so many interesting Matchups me. it looks like it's gonna really be a banger to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be really good. And I think at the very least, the top four teams will be excellent. Uh, the question marks will be around Liv Sandbox and Hanwa, and Hanwa hasn't performed as well oh, against no. other top teams. But I will also say this: Zeka and Kingin, when their backs were against the wall in the gauntlet heading to Worlds, and then at Worlds itself, stepped up in a big way. So I I I think Kingen has also had some better (laughs) games recently. I still Um, don't believe
0: I don't care, Monty. Listen, here's the thing. I sort of low-key begrudgingly will give it to Zeka because he did it too many times. I still think that Kingen guy, mate... That you know, we always like to invoke the whole concept of like the monkeys part. No, no, the king and one, he just sold his soul. I'm telling you, there's no other explanation <laughs> for how that final went the way it did. On every level, Monty, his play, how his opponent played, the draft, none of it makes anything. He just literally he sold everything. He spirit bombed his entire life doing that one series. <laughs> so there's no way he's getting away with it a second time. I'll give you a second. If he gets his champions, we know he can pop off. There's no universe king, of I ever don't be an elite just, top player. I don't believe it. it.
1: I refuse. To, I, I, I just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say basically uh, Monty know.
0: I'm the pleb right your question goes <laughs> but what if King and actually was in the future a really good top player? and I'm like but he isn't Monty he is not a good top player I'm the guy who had breakfast today it turns out it's me all along because I refuse to believe that one I uh, the high test does not check out it does not check out so uh, it, it does it, uh, it, it he he's a
1: he's a very inconsistent <laughs> player um when he's off tanks um, but he he actually did okay this past week against Keen and Zayas. And remember, now we can argue that Hanwa should not have won a game against KT. That oh, KT definitely threw game two, which yeah. they did. Like that was the the joke that everybody was making was that was a 3-0 for KT which it was by the way um yeah, classic <laughs> so they but they did technically win a game i think their win again in uh, game 1 against t1 was much more legit um that was actually a very well played game i think by Hanwell life compared to their series against kt but they did actually take games against two teams that may be the top two teams in the league right now. And they have, they they've struggled against the better opponents, but they've absolutely dominated the bottom of the standings. So there is a floor to this team, especially with Viper still being amazing um, that exists that can potentially do something for Hanwan. and maybe in the playoffs, they'll do something. Now there's obviously no hope for live sandbox at this point in time. Oh, um,
0: beyond fraudulent, like yeah. just a waste of time.
1: <laughs> but I think the rest, the top four, and potentially the top five, if Hanwha gets their shit together in the playoffs, could be very, very good. Um, and while Gen. G's looked a bit weaker, the KT and D plus have gotten substantially better, and so the top three is looking really. Spicy. Oh, D
0: plus is peaking at the perfect time. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. But, and and all the teams are really different. Too. Yes. Like they're very different stylistically from each other. And that makes it incredibly entertaining.
0: Oh, what's so crazy is this. Look, I don't think they've done it intentionally. If you know Korean teams, I think it's probably more just a a byproduct of the roster construction. But the crazy thing is, Monty, this is the split where if I did the nameplates covered, look, you would know from the style that it was LCK. But if you're talking about like, I mean like individual player, but if you looked at like macro styles of the teams, this is the first time LCK is more like LPL. And as you say, all the top four teams have totally distinct styles, drafting style, what champions they prioritize. This isn't the old LCK where everyone just copies number one and is a worse version. That's also, I think why it's so vibrant. Like the, the vitality of these matches, ignore the fucking point from the LEC. The actual, like these matches have a life to them that they did it before.
1: Yeah. I, and I think that's, what's been making a lot of the matchups more fun. And especially this last week of competition, T one's locked into first seed. So they're not going to give a shit. Um, but you know, the battle for second place is real. And the battle yep. for second place is very important. Cause that puts you in, it gives you a buy. Uh, into the playoff bracket. Because remember, for those of you guys who don't know, we have a new playoff system in LCK this time around, which means that the third team selects either the fifth or the sixth team. So they get to pick who to play against, which will be live sandbox. Spoiler. Um, And then the fourth team will get the other team. But also that's the single elimination part of the bracket. Whereas if you're in the top four, whoever wins that match, T1 gets to pick the winner that they want to play against, but that's where the double elimination part of the bracket starts. So by getting the top, in the top two seeds, you are getting into the double elimination part of the bracket automatically, and you are getting a buy through the first round of the playoffs, and that is going to be hugely important. And right now, we have a scenario where Gen G KT, and D-Plus are all within a game of each other. KT plays Guangdong and DRX so all they have to do is take yep. care of business against teams that are significantly worse than them I say that after beat Guangdong Qu- beat Genji, but we'll get the to the Freaks one is the more scary one <laughs> of the two maybe they could fluke
0: like you know the yeah. third game scenario sure yeah, they do it against people of somewhat frequently
1: right um but, I mean, KT will be aware of that, especially coming into this last week where we got to see Kwongdung playing like a really in Seoul and maybe some other picks that aren't quite as common in the LCK as they have been in, like, L- LCS and LEC. Um, and I think KT will be able to take care of business, but who knows, they're KT. Uh, the, the thing is, is that while T1 has nothing to play for, D-plus versus T D plus has to play T1 and Gen.G in the same week, so two of the other top four teams. And while they might be T1, Gen G is going to be fighting them tooth and nail to get that second seed. Uh, and then it might come down to just purely map dif- game differential. Um, if they're tied, that'll be the first tiebreaker, and that should set things up. So D-plus is on a huge win streak, six games coming in. KT's on a four-match win streak. So D-plus has been taking care of business, but this is a
0: really fucking hard week for them. It's And if you look at the records, because D-plus has the one-game advantage on Gen G and KT – if you look at the schedules, the schedule is almost perfect to give a chance that they're all tied. Oh, at yeah. The end one, you yep. know what I mean? Like, there's actually <laughs> a very good chance to be like, it's, it's a three way tie for second.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then it'll yeah. go to uh, who has, you know, won more games. So if KT four O's this week, they'll be at plus 13. Now, ah, D plus right. has an advantage because they're at plus 16 yes. right now. Yes. So if D plus, but if D plus goes one and one and or oh, and two, then, you know, they're going to, First off, they'd be down, down one to KT, but yep. it could set them in a, in a tiebreaker scenario too. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting for sure.
0: Like, I actually think for real, LCK hasn't been this good for a long, long time. Oh, it wasn't this good last year for sure. I think we'd have to go back somewhat mad like me. Like, we're probably talking like seven or eight years since it was this good. Like the parity, yeah. it's not only like really good teams at the top, but then the parity is awesome. Like you say, the styles are fucking sick. Also, we've had we've got a lot of talent in the league again now. Like you go down to those middle teams against, like we were saying, as part of it's because some of these are reclaimed players, but you go down to the fourth, fifth, sixth teams, Dude, there are some big names on these fucking rosters, boys. These are like some of the former greats or people who might again be great.
1: And even the the up and coming teams, like the rosters, like Kwang Dong. I mean,
0: Oh, CB really... Max looks like he's killed it again, man. This just team, yeah. right? he's got the eye and on right? has got the eye on me. I
1: don't think I don't think everybody on Kwang Dong Freaks is is no. going to stick around. Like I'm pretty underwhelmed by by Taehun in particular. But Bulldog and Young Jay actually look quite There's good yeah. for, for yeah. newer players. Uh, and so I think there is something to work with here, and they are better than their 5-11 and yep. record would would indicate, for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree. So That's the team, like I said earlier. You just see every time they play a big-name team. Look, the big-name team wins, but somehow it just ends up in a third game, and you're like, how the fuck do these guys get that second game? How do they steal it every time? But they just do. That's why I know that CV guy. Also, just look at his track record. He just makes it work with any team he has. Me, he's yep. mental. He's, <laughs> some, he's, the funny thing is, I do get the sense. I don't know if you get this vibe. No one's made this connection before. I get the vibe, dude, that he has some of that reaper in him, where it's like he is just like his problem is, he is like a mastermind, but he's too much of an individualist. And if you know the way Korea works, they want it to be that it's all the, the org effort and all the glory goes to the leader. It's all that jazz, you know. So the problem is I get the vibe that like, I can see why he doesn't. He isn't totally accepted within the Korean scene, but I do think he's a mad genius. I, I love watching his teams play, it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I thought this roster should
0: be the worst in the league on paper. Like, who the fuck are all these guys? But I mean, maybe you just non-chim. learn to trust. <laughs> you learn to trust. Yeah, but even that's mad. Like, think about it. DRX and are orgs that in the last couple of years have been among the top teams. Like now, at the bottom of the table, like Freaks and Nobody, they're supposed to be bad. In theory. Yeah,
1: yeah that's true. That's true. But I, I do think that handing the reins over to CV Max is the right call for an organization that wants to develop their own talent. And and CV Max yes. undeniably has an excellent eye for players and then also developing those players like controversies aside his track record is fucking insane no it's not he has probably developed more world-class league of legends players than anybody else who's coaching right now i don't even think that's controversial i don't know if there's even a
0: number two that's close I'll even throw this out there because everyone forgets it. Everyone remembers all the other really great players on Griffin. Le Hens was on Griffin too, by the way. He's on that KT team we just talked about. That's a relevant team. again. Like The joke is almost everyone this guy works with end up being good. He even, as you've discussed on other shows, even obvious frauds like fucking Morgan end up being half decent. <laughs> and that was one of the most outrageous players to ever play. Like when, that, when Chovy was on that team, it was like, what's even the point of this? This is just actual, this is torture. This is some hellscape shit.
1: Well, and also, <laughs> even though Kwangdong didn't have any rights to beat Gen in that series, we can only take the results as they happen. And three in, point, in their yeah. last three games, they beat Live Sandbox and Genji, which are two playoff teams. Like they're getting better. They are
0: getting better. Also, by the way, that is one thing that is so weird about Korea. If you think about it, you'd think logically, Monty, since they are far and away the best region ever to produce top laners. Why do they only produce straight fire top layers or complete trash cans? Because there's also all those meme fuckers that we all hate, like fucking on um, back in the day, Morgan, fucking what's his name? Um, oh fucking the sword. There's Long always end, the enough. there's always the super. They don't they make amazing ones or super whack ones. There's no in between for some reason. They're all, just, they're all just fucking really good or shit, aren't they? Like,
1: and then uh, Huni is both in one
0: package. Yes, in a way. He is, exactly. He's got the full spectrum. <laughs> Should we talk about LPL a bit then? Uh,
1: um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about D-Plus a little bit too, because oh, I, think, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think... I mean, obviously, they've
0: turned it all around completely now. spoil if you track it... I was mega sceptical, like three, four... Now they just are really good. You have to just give it up to them. They, just, they fixed it, guys. <laughs> they fixed it. Yeah. What's
1: weird about D-Plus is that they... It's strange. It's strange to think about how they have kind of turned things around, um, because they went from kind of getting caught out, not having, not having the best macro. But I think what's really helped has been that Canyon is actually able to just play like Lee Sin and Viego and Vi now and be much more active in the early parts of the map. And they're playing more effectively with Showmaker as well. And they're they're getting combinations with Showmaker. Like Showmaker is playing Renekton into Mid-Gragas and Canyon's able to play Lee Sin. So they have a Renekton Lee Sin. So they're picking like strong 2v2s that they can really work with. Um, and they're also, maybe not with, in Canyon's case, showing off the depth of the champion pool. But Showmaker, I think... He's showing off the depth of the champion pool more than he did. He's not getting caught out. We're getting to see his Vagar versus the Jace. So they're opting into a safe farming situation uh, against Jace and also pretty good kill threat between Vagar and Lee Sin as well, especially once you get that kick and can like lay down the, the vagar cage and then kick somebody into the stun if they're, if they're not uh, caught up by it immediately. So I like what they're doing. Deft and Kellen continue to be good as they have been for a variety, you know, a large part of the season, but they're just being tricky in the draft. And the thing that made Dom Juan So such a delight to watch last year was that, especially when they were on red side, the number of flex picks they had was really fucking annoying for teams to deal with. And we saw that a bit in the game two versus Nongshim where they early pick the Renekton. Dundan picks the Darius because he assumes he's playing it into Renekton, but they just flex it versus the Gragas, and then take Canon into Darius, which is a fucking, it's a terrible matchup for Darius in the top side. So they're able to make a lot of these compositions work. And, I, I like the drafts that they, that we've been given. And now the players are not throwing games that they wouldn't have thrown previously. And we get to see those champion pools in action, particularly showmakers. So I don't know what turned around for showmaker. I don't know why suddenly you know, he was looking pretty bad earlier in the season. Uh, he said he was burnt out. And then now he just seems to be like flipped the switch back to the showmaker. We know, um, so it's been good. It's been good. And Canyon's had an up and down season, but recently has been absolutely amazing as he's returned to more of these kind of early game, very active junglers. And they seem also to Also his have- meta now.
0: you got the lease in and the lease and all that oh, shit. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, these are yes. all
1: like great champions. For- yes. I mean, everything's a Perfect. great champion for Canyon is the you know, obviously true. Um, but it does seem that being being able to be in highly active 2v2s w- in terms of Showmaker with the champions they've selected and being picking less passive champions has revitalized this team. And like I said, Deft and Kellen were basically always performing. So yeah, that was the, that's the key there. thing
0: for me that's the difference in this damn one against past ones. Dude, even the one that won Worlds, you at least had an obvious angle on the map of, like, maybe we can get an edge in bot lane or we can draft for that. Even they had a weakness in that sense. Oh, the, yeah. th- the reason why now that Shawmaker's level's back and Canyon's back on his shit, that they do look really strong is because they also now have draft advantage in bot lane except against T1. Like, everyone else has to be scared of that Lucian Army, mate. Like, if you give them that, they're just going to win. Like, they're probably the best in the world on that, like... They're unbelievably yeah. <laughs> good. So, like, now even from bot lane, you've got edges. So, actually, yeah. Now the cool thing about D-plus is this. It looked, when they added Deft, like it was going to maybe be like a failed super team earlier this split. Now it just looks like a real super team What's beginning to show the signs of being one. And then it is living up to the name value. Like, if you have a team with Canyon, Showmaker and Deft, it better be straight fire. It better at least be <laughs> contending for the title and go to the international tournaments, guys. Come on.
1: Yeah, and Kana's, Kana's looking good, too. Um, and what I like is that w- w- we see we see an ease and and flexibility with this roster. Um, because the thing about the thing about being deceptive is that when you see the Renekton that D Plus has taken, you think it's going to Kana because Kana is undefeated on this champion this year. But it's not. It's going to showmaker. You know what I mean? So you feel potentially safe in taking a Gragas pick because you 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 imagine it's going, but they will just sacrifice the good win rate for the better matchups and still do very well. Um, so I love to see that. And I, I, I think Kana has been doing slowly better and better over time. Um, and probably part of that too, is that they just have more map control with the way that Canyon and Showmaker are drafting. So it's good. I mean, it's a very good thing. I think they're they're a great team to watch right now is, really concerned about them, mostly because of a motivation factor, but they seem to have stumbled into a meta that is, is working for them and Showmaker seems to have gotten over his funk.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: All right, now we can talk about LPL.
0: Yes, do it. Because the funny thing is, I actually think the LPL right now, spoiler, like we are going to have a dedicated episode. Don't worry. Like, I don't know if anyone saw, I think actually Andrew accidentally, the producer accidentally tweeted it, but this, in theory, would have been the LPL episode, but we just had an issue with the scheduling with the guests, so we changed our mind. But we will do a dedicated one, because I also think this is a really great split, and especially because the reason why I really want to have an expert on it is like, it's a split I find really hard to make sense of, like, yeah. the teams are so different in the LPL, and... It's still so up and down. Like it's it's probably the the craziest variance league ever. Like you can think these are the top two teams this week, and the end of the week you're like, where am I at now? Like because <laughs> some of these results, they, there's so many of the big matchups haven't gone at all to plan. We've talked to some of the wow. ones past. Like there've been so many times where the big name team actually lost to like the number four team or something. You know.
1: Another issue was that we, until the last two weeks, we hadn't actually seen LNG play against good teams, uh, which they were, they've been in number one in the yep. standings for most of this, this split, but they also have some pretty obvious flaws and they didn't necessarily play the cleanest games. And last week they were coming off of a loss to EDG Um which I think makes sense because EDG is like the best macro team and kind of the most complete team and therefore is going to be able to find ways to shut down the very specific threats that LNG has, even though I think there is an argument to be made that Scout is the best mid laner in the world right now. And Tarzan might be the best jungle in the world. So they have very, very pronounced strengths on LNG. But now they come into this week and we get to see them, beat top esports and then almost beat JDG and play yep. a very entertaining and very legit series against JDG. And we would have said, these are two of the top five teams in the world and top and yes. JDG top probably fell out of that uh, this week based on their performances. I haven't seen the the games they played versus LGD yet, so I won't comment on those. Um, but you know, top top did disappoint. And this was, this was the do or die week for LNG to show they're legit. And they won three out of their five games that they played against the top two teams. So they are certainly in the conversation for among the best teams in the world at this point in time. But as to your point, Thorne about not being able to make head or tails of the LPL, the problem is, is because it's a single round Robin that the strength of schedule is just enormously important to evaluating LPL teams. And if you're very front-loaded or back-loaded, like we've seen LNG be like front-loaded with a bunch of garbage teams that they play against, and then back-loaded with all of the playoff teams, it's difficult to get a real read. Uh, And now we have it, which is great, because I really like LNG. Uh, They're a very fun team to watch.
0: Yes. I mean, one of the things I actually think me- makes LNG quite cool is like, if I had to choose someone to go to MSI, I wouldn't pick them because they have flaws. No. And obviously I could have like a really well-rounded team. I could have the team at like EDG with a good macro. Or I could have some all-star lineup like Top or fucking JDG or Weibo. But i tell you what, in a weird perverse sense, I almost would like to see LNG go to MSI. And here's why Monty. Because I actually think some of their flaws are glaring. Like I think their ADC is actually fucking whack. I think it's just not very good. Not player. Very good I, think, no. I think Top's a little bit bit questionable but the key thing is what I would almost like to see perversely Monty is if you really have a super elite mid and jungle like they do two Koreans is that enough to just run through Western teams like I'd love to see if they can take just those two players Scout and Tarzan and just dust off G2 and fly Quest and they'll just throw like there's another level to Asian League of Legends mate because they can do this against the best LPL teams like we're talking about like in theory they should get exposed in the LPL right but they haven't really They haven't really quite frankly <sighs>
1: I think the issue with with LNG is that so if we talk about their strengths, it's Scout and Tarzan are the carries of this team. And they are they've played every single like kind of champion yep. matchup that you could possibly imagine. Tarzan is so good at pathing. I, their early game is amazing. Their, the synergy with mid and jungle is probably the best in the entire world. Um, they they really kill it honestly, and we've seen them we've seen them do it in so many different ways at this point in time uh, that it feels like they're pretty meta proof in those positions like we we get to see the Maokai ultra 8k damage team fight and then we get to see the great Lee Sin play from Darzan, and they really are just in a, in a groove right now, and I think I like Zika actually, like the more games I watch of Zika in the top lane, the more I like this guy because he's a, he's a weak side melee top laner and there's nothing wrong with that i think if they had a stronger bot lane he would be really good because he's a really efficient player honestly he takes very few risks he has he's really really stable in the top side not a fan of his jace gotta <laughs> say you know but if he's if he's on a renekton if he's on a tank if he's on Jax, like I'm pretty down with the way that Zika plays the game and his is the way he controls his lane is very good. His flanking is extremely good. He actually provides really great pressure in team fights and his positioning is he's almost always threatening the back line on, on a melee champion, which is difficult to do because you have to get your spacing perfect so you don't get caught, but they're still scared of you coming in. Uh, and he his setup is very good in that sense. So I really like Zika as a role player. And even though the bot lane of LNG had a better series than normal against JDG, if you watch those games, the eye test between LP and Ruler is just, it's painful at times. Ruler is the best, best ADC
0: just... in the league, probably, yes. Maybe <laughs> yeah. in the world, let's be real. Yeah,
1: it's he is, you can just imagine what this roster would look like with a better AD carry or a more yes. threatening bot lane. And they would be potentially contending for a title. So I think it's amazing that they are doing as well as they are,
0: considering that their flaws are pretty serious. By the way, shout out to any LPL team that manages to have a top team, but not a really good ADC. It's like, are you even trying, bro? They do (laughs) grow on trees over there. There are just so many ADCs. It's criminal. Like, the joke is, it's like if we talk about some of the other teams, there's names you guys don't even know, just look fucking. Fire this splits yeah. look like really good, yeah. Yeah, so and by the way, here's a stat for you. I've got a couple of stats for you because the problem I know that Scout will always face in his career, Monty, is this. To a Westerner, they think he's boring because they think oh, I should guys should play Azir and that. Right? First of all, Scout has played twenty-eight games this split and won on eleven different champions. Oh, really? Eleven. Great. And then look at i will read his top five champions that he's nah, playing was... right now, Monty. He's playing. Um, no, 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 he hasn't played Sans at all. He played Rise, Jace, Azir, Yorn, Cassadin. What even is that champion pool? That's like everything. Like, <laughs> if he, if he's a mage player, fair enough. If he was only playing like the fucking rise and the Azir. Okay, that's one thing, Money. He's got Jordan and Jason there. This guy can play anything he wants, basically. Imagine, by the way, trying to draft against this fucker. If he plays Jorn and Azir, like, what? No, this guy, is, he's the MVP, boys. And uh, quite frankly, it makes it look even more obvious that his team, like we say, has massive flaws compared to the other contenders. And this guy just smurfs every game. Even in the games they lost, like that one you are on about against Gigi, he was still great in that, mate. He's just a fucking stud. This guy's yeah. so good. it's so underrated.
1: Yeah. And especially because I think what, what makes scout and Tarzan's performance better is that we know that they're, they're not working with the best teammates. Right. Exactly. And even if you like, even if you like Zika, like I do, he is a role player. Ultimately. Yeah, he's not, he's not three, six, nine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's not that guy. And that's totally Okay but you have to prop it up with some level of carry threat in the bot lane. And I do think it it gives me worry Thorin when I watch that series versus JDG and I think to myself this is probably the the best performance that I've seen from LP this year and he's still a lot worse than Ruler. Like but he he's still a lot worse. <laughs> yes. So um I and uh, people people might get mad because they they like LP or Hung or these guys but I if that's going to be their best, unless that's the new standard that we get out of these guys, I would assume by the way, that that was um, probably an unusual high for LP. Whereas ruler has shown that he can play to that level pretty consistently. So if I replay that series in a playoff game where LP maybe isn't peaking, then that series is not very close. I would say. And I, I don't want to rely on a player like LP peaking. If I could just get a better AD carry.
0: Yes. It's also just cool because I did have my concerns when I heard Rudo was leaving Gen G of like, great that he's just going to go back to being on an all right team, isn't he? But he just found his way to another like world's contender, so it all worked <laughs> out in the end, didn't it? Somehow, who the fuck knows how? But it did all work yeah.
1: out. So I I love watching LNG just because I enjoy their style and I think they are overperforming. But frankly, I just like watching Scout and Tarzan um, and Zika to a to a lesser degree and seeing how far they can get with this kind of one two punch in the jungle and mid lane against teams that are super teams that just have better players overall than they oh, no, do wait.
0: You know, earlier in the split, when we had that one week where we said that Jindal was like the best team in the world and then they just lost the two series immediately, like after, like the next day even, right? This is no. why, by the way, when you're analysts, you don't just go by the standings and go, well, I guess they're number two. You use eye test and you speculate look at the roster because there's a reason why you, me, Dom, we've all been bigging up this Jindal team, even when they had dodgy times, because they just it's like if they ever got it right, like they're doing in some of the big series... Guys, when they win games, they win so hard. So they hit like a truck. So like <laughs> yeah. this is a team where, look, yeah, it could have been a super team that failed. But when it comes together, this one does look amazing. There's a reason why a lot of people are hyped for this to be like the representative for MSI and Worlds. This this could be a really special team, mate.
1: And I think what's so cool about JDG is that especially in the bot lane, like you just can't get them Zeri because ruler will win do, yeah. lanes that he should lose on Zeri and then completely take over the game like 10 minutes before he should on Zeri. So you just, you, you can't let him have it because somehow somehow he, he is missing in that bot side. God damn, they're able to work some magic and and like win losing lanes. And then that be- creates problems that you just don't see. And it creates game states that are very weird for enemy teams to deal with because they're used to playing with a lot of pressure into those lanes. And when that pressure is gone, all of a sudden, instead of taking a dragon for free, ruler is on it, you know, on Zeri at 14 minutes in the river, just absolutely decimating you when he shouldn't be there. He just shouldn't be there at that time. So it it makes it makes it difficult for teams to get reads against them. Three six nine is having an excellent season so far. He has been phenomenal. Um, and unfortunately, I think the answer, to, you know, one of the unfortunate parts about JDG is that Kanavi, he's he's looking a little, he's had a few games right for now. Sure. <laughs> yeah. He's like, had a few. Um, you know he he's had games where he's like pretty hard griefed uh some of his laners and especially 369 in top side i think has been one of the 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 worst you know the worst uh players to that he's griefed right and so when you th- when you see 369's performance in spite of the fact that Kanabi sometimes makes his life really difficult um it's it's even more impressive i think from 369 you know but i Kanabi, also think
0: i wanted to get your take on this cuz i actually think when i watch the lpl right I actually think the 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 biggest role that decides if you win or lose the game in LPL is jungle, dude. Because these junglers, like, when Karsa has the off game, that's when Weibo just loses the game and they look like shit. When JJ has a fucking a, a smurf game, they just beat someone they shouldn't be. When Kanavi plays bad, they look a bit lackluster. When he's on, like, the junglers, uh, it's because the best junglers in the LPL are all big-name players that people don't know. Like, they're talking Tarzan, JJ. Like, it's all the biggest names. So, like, and those teams, it seems like it has a massive effect on their style. Because these are all stylistically different squads, obviously.
1: I think it's a lot of times junglers in the LPL outside of Tarzan, I would say, take a lot of risks. Oh, for sure. Uh, they, in terms of the way they play, or they play pretty greedy. And so, if you have a good punish, I mean, a, an example would be um, what the EDG JDG series. Okay. Um, when was that? It was a few weeks ago. Let me let's look it up real quick. Um, when when EDG in week five when EDG two zero JDG, a lot of that was just JJ clapping Kanavi in the jungle, and Kanavi he was basically mind gaming Kanavi to take risks and then punishing him for those risks, and it was really quite good by EDG. But you know if you're JDG, they do well when they're when their players are getting early game advantages and they're extremely good at snowballing. But if you stop the momentum on them, that's where they sometimes have problems. And JDG also doesn't consistently make the the best mid to late game shot calls. There are moments when they, they try and over push their advantage. I think actually they were, they almost threw the game two versus LNG because instead of just, you know, they got an advantage and then they started pushing like top lane inhibitor turret while their dragon soul was spawning. And they could have just left and walked to dragon soul and gotten it. But instead they tried a really terrible turret dive died. And then there's this big contest for the dragon soul. And it's just completely unnecessary, right? Like it's not playing tight league of legends. And so JDG definitely also has like a throw potential as well, uh, which is why I think they're not the best team in the world. To your point, when they're, when they are firing in all cylinders, they do hit like a motherfucking truck, but they're not consistent in being able to reach that state. So they're very scary when they're scary, but they they can be kind of toothless at times as well, especially if Kanavi has a poor early game.
0: Yes. And then I've got to say this, right? Because I actually think the team that breaks my heart the most in the LPL is Toppy Esports. <laughs> I know now it's for different reasons because Knight's not there. Dude, this is the team where on paper it's fire. And they early on, when the strength of schedule was weak, they were looking good. I think these are this team's a bit fraudulent. There, like when I've seen some of their losses, they can look really bad in a loss brawl, really bad. Yeah, like, um, they should be such fire on paper though.
1: Yep. Um, I think Jing Tian is kind of limited when it comes to his effective champion pool, and he he has some very high highs, he but it be also, night and day
0: for sure. Yeah, of, he yeah. could be
1: night and day. Um, yeah. Uh, Tian has been good, but was pretty bad in the LNG series. Yep. And Rookie, I think, started the season very well, but has kind of dropped off. I think he probably, if you think about the first five or six weeks of play, he was probably the leading MVP candidate. Oh, but I good, think that's yeah. switched to scout at this point in time. Um, Yeah, so I, I think Rookie is, has been struggling a little bit more as of late. And, you know, LNG 2 0 them was not something that anybody expected and i like i said i haven't seen the lgd versus top games yet but i i will get around to to watching those but obviously that's a huge upset uh that went down and top is sliding down the standings which is frustrating because this team should be quite good
0: and also like this is just a team where like it's going to be tricky obviously but it's like, you do look at those names and you're like, man, if this came together in the right way, though, couldn't it just be like one of the best teams ever? This looks so good potentially.
1: Well, and the thing about it is that this is a team that's like Dom1 from last year. It could come together at any point in time. There's no way to know. No. Right? Yeah. And that's what we kept saying about Dom1 um, is that, and they, you know, they actually did have a pretty good Worlds run relative yeah, yeah. to their domestic performance. But it's just that the individual strength is so high that, it could snap all into place in, in a moment and it wouldn't surprise anybody. So
0: they can't, they can't ever be counted out. And by the way, I, I alluded to it earlier, but the KT Rolster Monty of the LPL is fucking way gaming. <laughs> Cause this is the team that has the crazy high ceiling where they can beat anyone. But they also can lose to a lot of teams that are worse than them. Like this is the team where think about it, right. To be fair, you have in the same team Casa and the Shy. Exactly. If there are ever two players yeah. who either dominate or yeah. go to shit, they're, they're two of the all-time greats for that.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think Weibo is, is a team that that plays to the level of their opponents because we can't deny the fact that that's a of wins. You know, yeah, their JDG win was you know yeah. very important. Um, Legit- but at the same time they have struggled against mid-table teams I, I i don't know what is going to become of this roster this is the team that i probably have the the most difficulty getting a read on oh it's really hard man so i am not sure i'm not sure about these guys and whether they can get it together in time because i obviously i i love watching xiaohu and i think crisp has quietly been one of the best oh, supports in the entirety in the, of the yeah. of the LPL this split um but because of the variance that the shy and Karza introduce, it's almost impossible to be able to predict whether this team is going to win or lose.
0: Here's the problem. I'll I'll explain this via way of an analogy, which tells a amusing slash embarrassing thing about my life monty so i did one of those <laughs> okay. things where i ordered some food on one of those apps right and because i just ordered like uh like just some wok food you know like some fucking f- fried rice with like some beef in or whatever right because this is the problem with the netherlands unfortunately they're one of those countries that doesn't really like spice very much like they think spicy is like you know the most mildest flavor of all yes. time it doesn't have any really heat so the problem is, is for this. yeah the problem is you never fully know right is this like a, a, am I buying from an Asian place, but it's cooked for a, like a Dutch temperament, or when they say spicy, do they mean Asian spicy? So I got this wok food, and because I don't want it to be bland, which would be the worst thing ever, I asked, I, there was a little option that said, would you like to spice your wok up, which I'm assuming you just put a bunch of spices in, but here's the problem, because it turned out I was wrong, it wasn't Dutch spicy, it was Asian spicy, <laughs> the option, would you like to spice it up, ruined the whole meal because essentially, right. they must have put like that actual like chilli oil that they give and like you know oh, the yeah. tiny little it's it's yeah, too yeah. spicy they shit. put that shit all over the whole thing so i was <laughs> eating it and then the joke is obviously i'm going it's actually a bit too spicy that's <laughs> what we're boys because here's the thing they're not going to win the playoffs i'm not stupid they're not going msi but i'll tell you what i want some spice in the playoffs it's just i'm scared they might be too spicy yeah that's I, the I, if they're too dude. spicy that can get too dark <laughs>
1: that's a good, it's a good analogy um <laughs> dude in the when we were in flashpoint i always have like you're saying i always have trouble in northern europe and the uk ordering food because unless you're to your point unless you know the restaurant and how authentic it is it's very you just can't know and so i i made it when we were in remember we were in quarantine for flashpoint two, and we were in what like Reading, and i tried to Uh order some sichuan food (laughs) holy shit that sichuan food was an abomination because it was like it was like to UK taste and it was like slightly too sweet and just like weird right. tasting. And I was like, I just wanted some like spicy pork belly, man. Like, why does yeah. that sugar in it? <laughs> I was tilting, but yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to make those orders in Europe because you just have no idea what you're what you're going to be getting. Indeed. Um, but yeah, I, I I do appreciate the analogy there. So yeah, I th- I think in when it comes to the rest of the LPL, it's also shaping up to being a, an exciting playoffs. And I love the fact that at EDG seems to be doing so well because I think that they are probably the most well-rounded team to compete internationally. Yes. And they've been such a awesome surprise, especially Leave who like Pays is probably heading towards a rookie of the rookie oh, of the split any, yeah. award and not something that we would have Expected out of this roster. Ale has been very good as well. Uh, it's just all these players are it's it's a it's a synergy thing, and they play much more like a Korean team than most yes. of the teams in this league. As Dom is fond to say, like OMG is the most Chinese team, and EDG is the most Korean style of team within this league. So we get some good extremes at the same time. But EDG's just been rolling, man, and they've they've picked up a lot of really critical wins. Um, they lost the top esports, but they beat JDG and LNG pretty convincingly. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a fun time. I'm I'm looking forward. We still have two more weeks of the LPL, uh, so not just one more week with like we have of the LCK, but not too many good matches coming up this week. I think we've we've seen most of the good matches in the LPL right now, so it's mostly just going to be battles for seeding, without a lot of the other top teams playing each other.
0: Unfortunately, like the the good matches have pretty much passed. The analogy I would give is this, right? It's some. It's quite similar to what I often used to do in CSGO, and I noticed now, it's all right, you're welcome. You know, enjoy using shit I invented. I noticed people just copy this, and they've even used even literally this example, all the other analysts, where they do that thing where they just heard a good idea as well. So I'm like, that is a good idea. That's not my idea. So what I always used to say in CSGO, Monty, to kind of explain to a casual fan the difference between the types of star player, is I would always say to people, if you're a casual fan who plays with the AWP, don't in any way try to emulate what Simple does because you won't be able to do it. In fact, he even plays in an aggressive way with the AWP, a way that actually for like a normal player would be actually negative to your game. You'd be way worse. You wouldn't hit any of these shots. So I always say the player you should copy is the player device. Because what he does is he actually plays the game with his brain, basically. So he plays as if like, he doesn't have the greatest skills. He has very good skills, obviously, but he just plays a fundamentally flawless game, basically. My analogy would be that everyone likes to watch Jing Dong and D-Plus and all these teams with crazy stars if you're actually someone who wants to learn like the concepts of team league it's teams like edg and Gen G you yep. want to watch guys it yep, isn't the ones with sure. all the stars these are the teams in fact the very fact that they don't have five bona fide stud players but they can make their style works tells you their execution and fundamental game plan just yep. works it actually means they're the best at that so these are the teams if you want to learn like the macro understanding now these teams have got it down boys like, they can close games against the best teams in the world. They're not just getting a lead, yep. they're closing the game. That's very impressive. Yeah. yeah, it also
1: means that they might be able to potentially throw, as we saw with Gen.G, sure. <laughs> sure. or get outplayed on an individual. I think Gen.G is much more likely to throw a game than uh, given what we've seen both in this past series against Guangdong and, as well as the T1 series. Like, we're starting to get a little bit concerned that Gen.G might be
0: too throwy. <laughs> all I'm saying is this, Monty. I low-key sort of hope that something goes bad in Gen G. Just because we could work in some sort of awkward skit about a Pays dispenser, that's the angle I'm going with. There you so go. I'm saying, if you haven't noticed, by the way, one thing I did learn a long time ago about showmanship is it's a bit like being a rapper, Monty. It's not actually about you have to be amazing to make everything rhyme. Really good rappers just bend the words so it sounds like it rhymed. You know what I mean? Like use the slang. So it just, it just makes it... That's all you do with the joke. Like, I crowbarred that like a motherfucker. But as my friend Jason Moses O'Toole did once send me one of the loveliest messages of all time, he just said, and This is a great old school reference if you know it. He said, Like, that I have the best crowbar in esports since Gordon Freeman.
1: <laughs> that's it good that's line. a banger Moses that's a hell of a line that, that would be
0: on the poster right there man Jason him. you know like
1: perfect I, I wonder I wonder how many of the uh the zoomers <laughs> know a good the, reference the, it the yeah. Gordon Freeman reference as opposed to us neo zoom post zoomers slash neo boomers yeah um so, yeah, I, I think LPL is, is, is really quite entertaining right now. I'm actually very hyped about EDG. I would love to see JDG and EDG be the teams L-C-J-D-G that go to MSI yeah. because that would be a really cool contrast of styles coming in from the region. Yes. Um, so that's my preferred outcome. My preferred outcome. And, you know, I don't even know what my preferred outcome in the LCK is. Definitely T1. Uh, but I don't know if I like D-plus or KT better right now. I think either would be interesting to see.
0: That's why it's so perfect. They can just play and decide, decide amongst themselves. Whoever wins will take it. We'll take that one. <laughs> just let them sort it out.
1: All right. Uh, I want to do some viewer questions. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So as you guys are aware, um, oh, first off, uh, we should probably talk about Freeze Pipe again. Briefly. Oh, yes. Um, so first off, Thank you again to Freeze Pipe for sponsoring Last Free Nation. Really appreciate it. Uh, as you guys know, as we've said before, 420 is coming up. And each of their pipes or bongs or bubblers has this delightful glycerin chamber in it if you just throw it into the freezer don't have to put the whole thing in which is very nice separates out really well uh throw it into the into the freezer about an hour throw, of course i, w-
0: I would very oh, de- yes.
1: delicately Gen- place it into the freezer it's a nice yes. glass, so gently exactly, place yes. it into the freezer an hour before you want to smoke and then you can enjoy some yes delightfully cool cannabis they look really nice as well very high quality also uh their customer service is quite good i know they've been very responsive to people it's one of the best parts of them okay. uh, according to reviews i haven't had to use their customer service because all the pieces have been great they did a good job of sh- uh, shipping them over comes in a nice packaging feels like a pretty premium product so if you guys are interested you can head on over to thefreezepipe.com and use the promo code lfn for 10 percent off your entire order so however much you want to get also helps us out a lot obviously if you use that promo code because then it gets tracked back to us yep. and makes uh, makes it sure they know it came from you guys and that you guys want to support our shows by buying those products so thank you very much uh, to freeze and to you guys for purchasing it if you have already I know a lot of people have been commenting that they bought it and seem to be also very happy with the product so it's going going well um, all right so now we're gonna talk about viewer questions these are going to be via discord
0: subscriptions and shout uh, out to everyone who signed up because actually a lot yes, of the people who used you. to have the grog coin have signed up for them
1: yep so really appreciate you guys signing up for these we'll get there a lot this week we'll get through hopefully all of them we'll see there's a lot <laughs> so we'll get through as many as we can um let's see here do you have any ideas on things right can do to increase pick slash meta diversity yeah balance the game better Interesting things like Carrier's ADC picks or Barrel's donger do pop up from time to time, but globally the same picks team seem tend to dominate for long stretches of time, with a significant portion of the champ roster being untouched, even if they can be good. Uh, at the same time, forcing it in the form of something like Fearless Draft has issues, as you both said.
0: Yeah, Fearless Draft sucks. Um, here's, here's where we take this, Monty. I know what angle to take this to. One of the points that he hasn't put into his question that I think he's omitted, maybe he doesn't know the like historical context of how Riot has developed the game and how they've spoken about the meta over the years. But one of the real problems is this. Every time something cool comes along, so think about this, Monty. How about lane swaps? How about double jungling? How about having it where you can funnel into mid lane if you want? How about having it where you can flex everything between top, mid, and spot? If you haven't noticed, I've got this ADC support meta. Is it the players and the meta that takes these things out? No. Riot clearly hates these things and is antithetical to it. And they hard nerf them out of the game either by directly nerfing them to Oblivion, changing game mechanics, or just buffing stuff that is, you know, will beat it out in the meta. So unfortunately, I get what he means, but Riot seemed to me like, even though I don't think they actually know where they're going with it, they seem like they have a very set vision of what League is supposed to be, and as a yeah. result, what it's not supposed to be. And so unfortunately, even though I actually think this carrier like AD man, is fucking incredible, I think it's some of the coolest League of Legends in years, sadly, I get the vibe every time it comes along, Riot just Do the right whack a ball to make it go away, if you know what I mean.
1: I I also I'm confused as to why this is coming up now. These questions because I've seen a lot of conversations that the meta is boring, guys. We just came off the best meta for a world championship ever. It's fire! It was great Uh, this year. The meta has been really interesting, actually. I mean, look at all the different viable styles right now. Look at all the innovation we're seeing from certain teams. Yeah, I get that some bad teams are like opting into Lucian, Nami, Zeri, Lulu every game. But if you've been watching bangers only on my stream, you realize that a lot of the good teams aren't doing that shit.
0: No, i like, those bad teams lose a lot of those games as
1: well. They're not like, like all the, wins. You guys are watching bad teams in bad regions and then complaining that they're bad. It's not that yes. the meta is bad. I think the meta is quite interesting and quite good right now. And I think that shoehorning something like fearless draft, and we saw this with Overwatch League when they switched over to champion pools right they they basically had to eliminate certain or hero pools they had to eliminate certain heroes from the game because the devs were so bad at balancing it for the professional scene Um, That in order to introduce variety, they would change, they would periodically change which heroes could be played at the professional level. You know, that's been a conversation that people have had. The fearless thing, why would I want to watch that is my question. Like, good players already have big champion pools or big enough champion pools. And you want to watch kind of the, the optimal way to play the game. You guys are basically just begging for a worse viewing experience because you're bored of watching good players be good at Good champions, which makes no sense to me, right? I would rather be watching the optimal way to play the game than rather trying to figure out the best way to suboptimally play the game. By well, just sense. in
0: case someone's like lost on the term, the fearless draft concept is just that when you play game one for game two, you can't draft the same champions yep. you had in game one. So Give essentially, one. it forces you to sort of test the pool to some degree and expand yep. out, et cetera.
1: And it creates artificial parody too, because then yes. it like takes people. Anyway, it's stupid. I don't like it. It's There's actually now, more downsides
0: I- than people realize. Like as you're implying there, one of the big downsides is now it becomes things like, it's not really about, did I win on that draft? It's like, I had one crack at that draft at this point in the yes. series. I should have picked it for game two. You know, it's, like you just put weird things into it as well that are kind of counterintuitive, I think.
1: Yeah, and and here's the other thing. I actually do think Fearless Draft is good where it was implemented, which is at the amateur yes. level, because it will force players to to in, encounter more scenarios. If people don't
0: know the league that's using it is LDL, which is the yes. development league of like the LPL. Yeah, it's fine it for it. that. Yeah, I actually perfect. think it's yeah. fine for that. Um, but and I don't showcase skill sets, everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, so I think it's good
1: for developing players. I don't think it's good for yes. Um, watching peak League of Legends at the professional level. and dude, Here's I, the
0: part I find weird. I wanted to ask you this. The weird thing about people complaining about the meta is, the other reason I think the meta is quite good now is, dude, what's even truly OP? Like, you know, everyone goes like, why well, are you giving every a mate? You can give the best players in the world, Kisante. Like, you don't just ought to lose the game. Zeri yep. is still in the meta, but isn't even the most broken thing. In fact, the joke is, like you just said, all the bottom feeders just force the Zeri and lose the bloody game. Like, what is it? It's not even a meta where there's like the... You you must ban the Yumi. There's nothing. If anything, there's a lot of really powerful shit that you have to account for. That's what you want in a draft in a game like this, guys. You actually want people to have to make the hard yeah. choices among a bunch of super weapons.
1: I would also say that there's pretty big differences in draft priority between the two best regions and LCK, uh, LCK yes. and LPL right now. So, for example, I mean, nobody gets to play Caitlin in LCK, basically, but Caitlin's up most drafts in LPL, right? So we don't even know, you know, maybe there's a reason that, that maybe the, the the LPL teams have found a better way to neutralize Caitlin than LCK teams have, or maybe Caitlin's just fucking broken and and you know, LPL teams are gonna find out at MSI, you know what I mean, when it's actually run by good mm-hmm. Korean teams. Um, so there there are pretty stark differences, I would say. Like maybe you could say, okay, Ash or Annie are are very, very strong picks uh, right now that might be OP. Um, but those uh, even those differ between regions in terms of their priorities. So I don't know. I feel like I am not currently disappointed with the meta diversity no, no at, at all. all I think it's been great. So it, it's weird to me that this conversation keeps popping up this year because amongst the good teams, I don't really see it as an issue. Uh, thoughts on rugby. Have you ever watched slash followed the game? When I lived in Ireland, I got into it a little bit with the the Nations Cup and everything like that. I think it's a really fun game. I I enjoy it but I'm a very casual enjoyer of it. I like the culture surrounding it. It it's good.
0: I like it. <laughs> I think here's the thing I would say like you nailed it at the end there it's one of those bots for me it's a bit like soccer in this sense I think it's more about the culture angle if you're with a group of people who like it and you're in the place that everyone's loving it it's going to be a brilliant thing to watch I wouldn't necessarily watch it on my own if I'm just sat in a room with a million other entertainment options and the other problem rugby has as a game is it's also one where, like American football it, it, you just get fucked up if you play it mate it's a really brutal game yeah. in that sense so like I don't want to play the game put that way
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do I do love like it though i like it a lot better than soccer because i like full contact sports um and it it, it's more entertaining to watch higher scoring like i like it i like it uh who is the most underrated and most overrated player of all time uh
0: of all time let me think (laughs) Because the problem with this one is, like, I feel like for underrated, it might actually be someone like Scout, mate. Remember, this guy's won LPL, MVP, world. Like, world. <laughs> Bro, what, what, what does he have to do before you ever, like, get some status? Like, the, he's actually a really fucking amazing player historically. And with all different teammates, oh, guy's cracked. I mean, for underrated, he's in the category for sure, I think.
1: I mean, I think score is probably still underrated by a lot of fans because, like, we still have to have the conversation with fans about is he better than Bengi, which is just fucking ridiculous. Score is probably, you know, he's, he's almost certainly the best player who's never won Worlds. (laughs) Who <laughs> oh, it basically has career. the Dan
0: Marino problem where it's like the actual eye test tells you this might just be the best player ever, but because they don't <laughs> have the ring, they're not even allowed in the convo. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> like, Have you ever seen that, mate? How many people do their top five quarterbacks? It's just all people with rings and no Dan Marino. Like... Really? Because all I'll <laughs> say is this one, and this has aged very well. I always thought back in the two thousands, mate, the most overrated quarterback was Ben Roethlisberger, just because he was on those amazing Steelers teams. And and by the way, that's aged beautifully. Because if you're the guy now who's like my number five is Ben, Ro-, it's like Nate Dan Marino's about twenty times better than him. what are you talking about. What are you talking about? Look who he's thrown. Who nobody? The joke was it was the Marx Brothers, wasn't it? Yeah, that's
1: also <laughs> also Tomlinson is a hell of a coach for, for the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, look at him.
0: He's like he's like the baseline of that team. Mega. So I would say for overrated. I mean, I feel like an obvious one, but I don't know because he's kind of also got the rep. Historically, it used to be hootie, but don't people kind of also acknowledge is a bit overrated now? I feel like people caught up to us on that one. I mean, Bengi
1: is Bengi's probably the answer. Bengi's up
0: there for sure. Because of the accomplishments, <laughs> unfortunately.
1: <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how I mean Marin would be another one. Like, what the oh, fuck? For sure. What, like, Jesus Christ. Like some of these C1 players, man, get mad overrated. And it's not that they're bad, it's just like Bengi is not in the conversation for
0: greatest jungler of all time. Like, Shut the fuck up. He's not. <laughs> so, you know, one thing I do want to ask, right, is can people who want to take part in this discussion just figure out their own position? Because one thing that does tilt me off the face of the earth, Monty, is the same person who, if they had the discussion about junglers, would tell me Bengi must be better than Score because of all the championships. Then will tell me, even before this world's like, well, obviously Uzi I is way better than Deft. Well, which is it? Do accomplishments count? Because you know what, Death's got a fucking few under his belt, homie. Look what are you talking about? All this, God, I can't handle that. It's like I mean, pick and, which and, it and is. Either, either you count rings or you don't. If they don't count, let's just do eye tests. But you gotta go one side or the other of the aisle, boys. Right. And,
1: and and Death's flaw, you know, was that he hadn't won a title. Um you know, and now I think he probably has surpassed Uzi as like the greatest ADC. I think we, if we revisited that video that we made like a year and a half the ago with Don, for
0: sure. Yeah, I
1: think it, that certainly would be one of the hotter hotter topics. But the other thing about score is that you he also position swapped and he was a very good AD carry before he position swapped to jungle and going from ADC to jungle is not an easy transition to make. Uh, he's the only one who's done it super successfully. Um, so, yeah, really good. What is your favorite meat to smoke? And when did the Monty smoking meat videos start? I don't know if you want a smoking meat video. It'd be like pointing at a smoker that was closed for like 12 hours. It takes probably a long a time. To smoke it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I like a bunch of things. I mean, I've made like uh, smoked lamb banh mis, uh, which are delightful. So, like the Vietnamese style sandwiches, probably brisket overall. Brisket's like a good staple. Um the only thing last Re-Nation is missing is more Richard Lewis are there fans for any plans for shows featuring Richard outside of the four horsemen I mean yeah we'll we'll have as much Richard Lewis as Richard Lewis wants to participate we love him um I think Richard needed a, a bit of a break from being more active in esports but I my my theory is that as the company spins up more we'll start to see more Richard Lewis That would be my theory.
0: The key difference is this. When it was just our YouTube channels, I mean, we didn't actually monetize the content well, so we could do a content, whatever, because it doesn't matter if it makes money or not. For the company, each project has to like... Have backing, have like a game plan, have like a long term ramp up, etc. It can't. We're not just going to willy nilly do stuff. So like, basically, we could still do con- shows like on side channels and stuff on his channel, our channel, your channel. But in terms of the company, it's like we're not just going to willy nilly pick up projects. If you haven't noticed, that's actually what the G4s of the world. I think did a terrible job with. they came in and just got too many things on the board. They didn't have like a game plan. So we're just going to gradually add pieces. So yes, if the company goes well, we definitely will have Richard Lewis shows. But we'll have to scale as things make sense business wise, right.
1: basically. And, And and I think what we want to do around Richard is like some really premium stuff, Um, you know, uh, stuff about the history of esports and like his reporting that we have to have the right sponsors or, you know, investment for. But I think obviously we, we want to use Richard a lot more. And I think Richard would be attracted to some of these projects once we get them rolling. Why is esports filled with execs that have barely any relevant skills or background, i.e., someone with five years as a recruiter being a marketing director, someone going from product manager to CFO in two years with barely any finance background? Uh, because they can advance faster in esports than they can in their own industries because their own industries are more developed. And this can be a good or a bad thing, right? Sometimes you had a ceiling in your own industry where you are highly competent and there isn't a place for you to get meaningful career growth because there are a bunch of there's so many people who are entrenched basically above you. So in a way this is more wild west. It's like why did people leave the comfort of east coast america to go to california? Well, it's because there was a lot more social and mobility. You know, a lot of the times like people were looking to reinvent themselves and you know get their fortune. And some of these people were horrible grifters who abused the lack of structure. And some of these people were exemplary individuals who just needed a shot to be able to prove their worth and make it. So both can be true, guys. Um, And I think that's, that's, that's true.
0: Yeah, there's a few angles. One that I've hit myself, I think I might even have said it like Four Horsemen or something, is whenever it's like the guy has too good a resume from the real world, that's when I get an alarm bell that yes, tells me exactly. either, either he's that guy's sure. original business is just failing, like maybe it's a sport like baseball, it's going downhill, and he's, he's fleeing the sinking ship, he's not coming to eSports because he has the love for eSports, he's just saying, let me use my pivot from what seems like a good, or his resume is just good, but he is the one who did it, like he was part of a project that did X and Y and Z, but he was like the least important part, but he sold you that he was the one, there's that angle, that could obviously get you someone who's fraudulent, but I think there's two other factors here, they're both connected though, which is basically people in esports not only is it a new field therefore in terms of like endemic skill set it doesn't exist it's why the idea of doing a degree to work in esports doesn't make sense you do a degree in a skill set which then would apply to esports then your esports career begins like yes. that degree you're doing at uni is essentially just spinning your wheels like it doesn't really make much sense so I would say not only is the endemically not really like an actual like set of metrics you're always going off the idea of like well I've worked with this guy a few years and he seems pretty good there's already that anyway and then the last part to me is i think people in esports they still are so far behind on this maybe it's because originally we were all the nerds and the guys who were the losers and the guys who weren't at the party were at the land party instead Everyone still is so horny for mainstream recognition. They yeah. just want the world to tell them, this is good. Yeah, this, this can go thin places, guys. And so the people they hire to tell them that are people who have status in the real world. That gives them the validation. When they hear, wow, a guy from Time Warner's coming over to you. So, Wow, a guy from FIFA's joining LCA. They hear the name FIFA and like a star fucker, they go, oh my God, this is so sick. FIFA's like real football. What the hell time? What That's like a movie company. They're coming to it. Esports is real. So all I'll say is the analogy that will give away that this is like a a deep seated fucking I think quite a dark desire within esports is do you remember when all this stuff came along in the last five years or so that was about, like, well, right, we've got to get more accurate with how we track views and we've got to get rid of the view botting and we've got to find out what does an esports view mean in terms of sponsorship dollars, Monty? People's conclusion in this fucking industry was let's just have Nielsen rating come in. Holy shit guys when i investigated the, the some of the problems in why it's hard to know if a reported figure is true when i looked into it the one of the first things people who know more outside of esports about views online told me is, "You want know to look in a Nielsen rating, mate? There's some mad fuckery involved with that, and it's essentially also like some dodgy ass thing where it's like who you are and what you do." Th- so, like the joke is, Nielsen isn't even some ironclad amazing well, system. It's just because it's the famous system for television. Esports goes, "We want to be validated like television. Can we have the same thing?" So, I, esports I, is just on some weird train like that where they're not even they go think, off name value, in my opinion. You know,
1: I think the Nielsen thing is what esports is cynically using because here's the thing the boomers and i mean by that the literal boomers guys not us but the literal boomers make advertising decisions based off of nielsen ratings oh, and course. even though everybody yeah. knows their bullshit we kind of got forced into using nielsen a lot of the time because they are a trusted source that yeah, validates viewership that can then be compared to other forms of viewership. So I think that was just like, I don't think people actually believe in Nielsen. I think it was just a necessary tool to use to like at, to connect with people who have no idea what the fuck esports is and don't even necessarily care themselves that Nielsen is bad. All they have to do is be like, go to their bosses and be like, well, the Nielsen rating said this investment was good, so it's good. Um, so that's my take on that one. But I, it, look, it, it's just wild west shit, man. At the end of the day, there are going to be some good people to come in. And frankly, we need people, good people from outside esports to come in. Because as much as I value endemic expertise, a lot of us have, have been the jack of all trades in esports. We've had to be to survive in a small industry. In a startup industry, you kind of have to do a little bit of everything. But that may mean that we don't have a deep expertise about certain aspects. And as there's more money that gets into the scene, we can afford to pay people with very specific and deep expertise in certain topics. And very few endemic people may have that experience. So for me, it's mostly about People getting the people who have these expertise, who are excited about working in a growth industry, who want to learn how to be a little bit more of a jack of all trades themselves and who actively listen to the endemic people, because that's the biggest thing is that the the problems arise is when we get these assholes coming in who think they know best and then do exactly the opposite of what they should. And they may have expertise, but they apply it very poorly because of lack of knowledge about the nature of the industry they're working in. Now that Riot is investigating EG, I think it's a good time to ask with the info we have right now, what do you think an appropriate punishment would be and what do you think Riot will actually do? I think because of the nature of the partnership agreements that they have because remember these teams paid 10 million dollars at least, maybe you know more 10 to 12 million initially and then more if they bought the slot like EG. Um they they can't be punished too heavily, right? I think the appropriate punishment would be that Nicole LaPointe Jameson and the other members of upper EG management can no longer have equity in the company or anything to do with the League of Legends team or Valorant team, for that matter. I think that is the appropriate punishment. Like, you can keep these people around if you want EG, but they have to be firewalled from Riot the the games that Riot is participating in and they can't be on the cap table. So they can't, they can't materially benefit any longer
0: from the riot association. The key thing for me goes like this in light of these three precedents, appropriate is just a term abstractly that we're discussing. These three precedents go like this. They took Monty's whole team from him, even though they acknowledge they have no evidence he ever actually did anything that they say was wrong. So they took his entire slot away. Yep. Then you have the Carlos one. Someone just did a tweet that people don't like. You associated you even slightly with someone that people don't like that got an entire slot in Valorant taken away. And then the third one is uh, Echo Fox, where because in a private email someone said a bad word, the whole team has to end up getting sold through some circuitous manner. Those three precedents mean Riot can do whatever the fuck they want until someone takes them a court and proves otherwise. So in terms of what would be appropriate, the joke is Riot's already made some of the most inappropriate business decisions I've ever seen. So in terms of like, uh, uh, like the current trend, they could do anything they want to them. Take the org away, take the slot away, say Nicole's fired, say Nicole in the game of dog. Take the whole execs out if you want and say it has to be a totally new group of people. I think that, in light of what they've done in the past, would be sort of in a similar vein. I I personally would prefer something like you just investigate basically all the things me and Richard investigated. If you find them all to be true, I think at a minimum, you have to punish them in the sense that, like, as I said on Four Horsemen, this doesn't just look like a mild fuck-up. This looks like they repeatedly had the chance to sort of do the right thing and they just said no so in that scenario Monty I don't feel comfortable with those people being in charge of a bunch of young men's futures I think they've sort of shown on this one like they fucked it up too badly in my opinion
1: yeah I think in my case we have to remember that that was pre-franchising so that they could basically just do whatever they wanted to me and I had very little recourse because the limitation on liability was $25,000 and I had to go to arbitration the yeah, point
0: yeah. here is this Monty everyone's going to say it, but at the end of the investigation they're not going to find anything they didn't find anything with Monty and they still fucking did it so the yeah. point is Riot's never needed to find anything boys spoiler they fucking took Dom's core streaming away because they maybe he maybe made that comment about a woman about nails like they have, <laughs> Riot will do anything they want on the most tenuous yeah. evidence ever so they don't need to have it ironclad and in fact when they fall back to like but what can I do my hands the, are tied it's like brother your hands were never tied the, any other time
1: the, the thing about <laughs> Riot that you have to understand in, in my case and Dom's case was that they pretended that they could be inside our minds and know what our intentions are. That's because they didn't like us and they wanted to get rid of us. So they decide whether they want to, they decide whether or not they are going to know what your intentions are. And that's how they decide punishments. Now, the reason why I bring up the Echo Fox thing is I think that's the 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 punishment that they gave to Echo Fox was the was basically the same punishment that I advocated for here, which is they basically went to Echo Fox and they said, this guy said some really fucked up racist shit. We don't want him associated with our league. He cannot be a partial owner in Echo Fox anymore. And the reason why Echo Fox sold was that they themselves, based on their corporate structure, could not eject him unwillingly. So I don't think Because that guy was an investor and owned a larger part of the company, because Peak Six owns the majority and has the control over EG, they absolutely could eject Nicole LaPointe Jameson from their cap table. They can do that. Um, So I think that that would be a very similar punishment, which is just to say, like, we cannot have this person be a partial owner on this team because of their actions. Um, that would make sense to me. And I do think that it is in line with what they did with Echo Fox. And, and by maybe the way, this-
0: I have a quick thing I want to just say to get it on the record, because I'm sure people who are legit and aren't lunatics watch this show, like we have a pretty good fan base in general. I have seen there is a trend that I find so disgusting, which is the only time people ever mentioned the context of that player that played in Monty's team who tragically passed, and by the way, if you don't know what you're talking about, shut the fuck up about this topic, because literally, I have now seen that topic used against fucking Richard Lewis, you cretins, you imbeciles, you don't even, you're literally taking someone's death, a tragic death, and you're using it to hurt the person who you don't even know helped that individual and was their most important person in the world, so like, please if you ask someone, by the way, who's not a nutter, don't ever bring that topic up if you don't know the circumstances, the reason people don't talk about that one is it's just tragic all the way around it was a bad situation and and the way it ended no one wanted nobody had any joy in that or it was not in any way maliciously done at the end of what happened after Renegade. so as a result like I'll, I'll just say the track record is this whenever anyone brings that up literally your duty is to downvote that fucking comment because be, there are people who didn't know this individual trying to act like they're the friend of that person like shouting out and the joke is they're doing it against literally the person that individual loved the most in the world but, you know, that, that whole topic is so uncomfortable bro because people think we keep we don't talk about it because it's awkward with you no you weren't involved in any way with any of the horrible stuff that that person didn't really if, if is if I was. That bring it up it's because it's such a horrible story all the yeah, way around it's, everyone it's, wants to just put it behind us unfortunately
1: yeah there's there's nothing good that can come of it guys and like you know honestly like if richard held me accountable like he wouldn't work with me like he wouldn't be my friend like, i don't know what to tell you guys like the whole thing is is so fucked up. And the way that people talk about even my punishment is that things that happened years later exactly. are brought up as reasons yep. for me being punished in 2015. It's like, yep, I, I, I'm not a seer, guys. Like, I can't see into the future. Um, so it's just the whole thing is really fucked. I, I, you know, Dude, I don't. They
0: even do the same thing with Carlos. They go, "Yeah, but he took a picture with the guy who's in prison now. He wasn't at the time. What the fuck are you talking about?" So now Carlos has to, like, a seer, like, psychically see in the future everything that guy will do. Well, yeah. yeah, that's not even a, that's not even a fair standard to hold anyone to. I wouldn't hold Reginald to that and go, "Well, years down the line, like, no, he can only know what he knows at that time, guys." So the point is, like I say, I just think that topic only ever gets brought up in bad faith. So if you wonder why we dodge around on here. Spoiler, Richard Lewis is literally one of our best friends in this group. He's in our company. He's the person who gets the final say on that because you weren't in his house. You don't know what their life was like. You have no idea what relationship those two people even had. He gets the final word. And not only is it so inappropriate that people use it against Richard, but as I said, Monty, it's in really bad taste if you're just a hater of me, Monty, or Richard, and you're using someone's tragic death as a shitty way to try and get at us. That doesn't even make sense. It's not even applicable. You didn't know the person. You know, I've I, I
1: haven't talked about it, and I'm not going to talk about it. Um, but I have al- I also did things after the fact to try and help that situation because obviously I felt partially responsible for it. But I'm not going to try and score public points about what I did do, and I've never had a, a conversation like that's just not it's not appropriate, and I'm not going to do it. So you know, I, I I obviously feel terrible about that entire situation, and I'm going to feel terrible about it for the rest of my fucking life, guys. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, it's 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 disappointing. Um so let's move on. Um how are you feeling about Russell Wilson's contract situation? Do you feel good or bad after the Sean Payton hire? Uh I feel, well, It either is going to work or it's not going to work. It can't be worse than it was last year. If it doesn't work, Sean Payton is a great coach who will be there after Russell Wilson leaves the team or is cut from the team, and he can draft a QB of the future if they continue to suck. I would say I'm very... I I'm optimistic about all of the free agency moves they made yesterday to shore up the offensive line. I think they made some really savvy moves. If you watch the Broncos last year, you know, their OL was one of the huge problems that also contributed to Russell Wilson's poor performance. And I think with a better OL and hopefully a healthy OL, which was one of their problems. And the addition of Sean Payton, like Russell has to perform in this, right? Like there's no other choice. They fixed They've they've been very active about trying to fix the main roster problems that they had, they are doing their best to set up Russell Wilson for success. If he can't perform now, then maybe he is washed. But his last couple games were very good. I think it's a good thing. As a Bears fan, I think you should be excited because I think it's smart for them to trade back the number one pick. Getting DJ Moore is obviously huge. Getting future first round considerations so they can set up Justin Fields is really strong. So I like the team. I
0: like the moves both teams have been making. Yeah, the problem I have with this movie is this is where again the people who only use hindsight want you're like just kick him, get him off the team. He's garbage. <laughs> like- Are we going to pretend that entire time in Seattle never happened? Like, he was an MVP candidate for about, like, six years straight, like, justifiably. Look, he wouldn't have been my pick, but he deserved to be in those convos. He was playing not only a really good game, but he looked like he was playing a very efficient style, quite frankly. Like, he didn't always have the craziest defensive weapons. Obviously, But when he first joined the team, they were a pretty defensive team. Like, I actually thought generally, like, look, it didn't work out, but this is one of those moves, a bit like Hilah Sang or a humanoid, you also know they could go to another team and just be really good again, don't you? It just seems obvious. Like, he clearly is a talented player. Like, he wasn't Jared Goff, guys. He wasn't just carried by, like, one team ever. Like, he's clearly <laughs> just a really good quarterback. So I don't know what went wrong, but as we pointed out, if the coaching staffs is something, something of a nobody, that's one thing he's changed before you change your franchise quarterback. At least try someone else with a different scheme. And like you are saying... Fix the all line, all sorts of things. Yeah, there's obvious things he tried to kick him. The,
1: the the Broncos were hugely injured. Russell Wilson was injured. Um, he had no protection. Like if you just it, this comes from people who didn't watch their games or understand yep. their situation. And he did get better, especially once they fired Hackett, their head coach, and he, he seemed to get into a better groove. And they changed the scheme a little bit later in the season. He, I refuse to believe he is as washed as he appeared to be because that's for you, would be
0: Absolutely insane. Here's why I actually think people go so hard on him. And as I say, don't just mean, but they make it like he's trash. He can never be good again. They're just conflating the fact that as we've all pointed out, he has a very weird and quite silly personality. He's cringe as fuck. Yeah, they're taking taking that. And because his game now suits that, they're acting like he was never good. Like this guy was very good in Seattle. That wasn't fake, mate. I watched all the games. He was fucking good. He just was a good player, mate.
1: Yeah. And he's a very exciting and unique player too. Um, so I don't know. I think I obviously I'm hopeful. I don't think it could possibly be as bad as last season. I don't think it could, oh, And no, no. It, you know what, if it is, whatever, like uh, a couple of years of this to get a top pick uh, for a potential quarterback that Sean Payton can develop is a good thing. I also think that um, also named Peyton. <laughs> so, so it's confusing Peyton, their GM. Uh, is is quite savvy and has been good for the team. so i like I like what they're doing. Sucks that it was such a disappointment last year, but can't be worse. Suppose the original Holy War between Elephant and TSM was held on the Rift, where each participant is reincarnated as a League champ that best suits their personality. Here are the rosters: Thorin, Monty, Richard, Barry, and Lokodoko, versus Reggie, Parth, Bjurks, and Doublelift and Lena. How would the how would the team comps turn out, and what kind of tactics slash battles? It's a funny question. So, <laughs> I mean,
0: logically, you are gonna be the jungler. Okay just because you have the best <laughs> macro knowledge you know,
1: it just seems like that would be your role wouldn't it? I, I, yeah and because I have no hands uh, I would play Maokai which is just about vision control and like zoning people off of
0: objectives okay. That's that's definitely my style See, I feel like, I don't know what he actually played in the game, because I know Richard did used to play many, many, many years ago, though he prefers Dota 2. I just feel like if we're going, like, thematically, logically, Richard Lewis is the top laner, because top lane actually re- 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 revolves around, like, courage to know you're just going to be in a long lane and get ganked all day long, <laughs> and told your shit when you don't win, like a losing matchup. Secondly, you always have to come in to save the day if you're a really good player, like TP in at the right time, which is literally Richard Lewis's whole MO. He is basically the cavalry that rides over the hill to save you <laughs> Esports. Like, if people don't imagine, why do you think I was so cocky about that Danny video? Because I knew I have motherfucking Richard Lewis with a legally vetted article coming behind me. I can <laughs> I can I can take all those people. It's all fake. Well, let's just wait a few days, shall we? I can chill on that one. And then I feel like also the other reason why he'd be a top laner is because like most great top laners never really got the help they deserved. They were always were left on an island to just do that work, you know. So I feel like they, that just fits his role too well. <laughs> but The joke it. is this, right? Look... Just because I'm all, I've am i almost sort of switched up, Monty. I'm not as in on wrecking Loco as much because that was the old meta and everyone's overplayed it. It's almost fun to, like, remember him fondly. So you know what? Loco Doco was actually a professional AD carry who was very good at the beginning of his career. So I'll let him be ADC because the reason it'd be funny, guys, is I'm obviously support with my pai, kana And it, think about me as Doco Doco's support. That fucking dynamic would be spicy as hell. The comms in that bot lane would be amazing, wouldn't they? Of course. <laughs> Not least because the best part is, much like I did actually in late, in a late episode of Little Loco, because I'm Pike, I might just fuck off out of the lane and leave him on his own. <laughs> did do that one I- time? Did and do and that. Loco,
1: Loco would definitely be Cogma. Uh, yes,
0: exactly. Because <laughs> like, he's not—he's not allowed to play Tristana. Anything that can jump in, when he's banned. He has to stay under the tower as kogma Exactly. Yes, that's his—that's his role.
1: And it, it's also funny because uh even after you kill him, he still runs around and explodes hilariously. I, I feel like Loco doco is a very Cogma type personality. Barry Barry could be the—he can be the Galio in the mid lane. Yeah, he just be some shit kind of Galio
0: Ariane, he Just plays some basic shit cares about exactly yeah uh, exactly
1: <laughs> and reggie part of the and double lift and lena well first off reggie would definitely be the mid laner and he would force bierkson to jungle for him yep. there you uh, go. that that is absolutely yes. what would happen uh double lift and lena obviously deserve to be in a lane with each other <laughs> So that means that Parth is the top leader left on his own. Uh, he can't even, as we know from now experience, he can't even interfere when, when no. uh, Reggie gets involved with the team. So all of the, the abuse, he would be piling on Bjergsen Parth would just be sitting there silent and calms, you know, being dyrus, just getting ganked over and over and over again. We nailed it. <laughs> If gaming and everything related to gaming was completely and irrevocably banned tomorrow, what do you think you'd end up doing for a living? Uh, I mean, I've said this before, but I probably would have gone to probably like graduate school for Western mysticism and Gnosticism. You know, just chilled out, tenure track professor, just in some campus somewhere teaching classes. That'd probably be me.
0: I've got a new answer for this because I've always I've already had this similar question many many times. I I normally used to always say like comic book writer because it used to be yeah. my dream job and it's something but I've got another one. If if I can't do that I'll take another one just because it'll make you think, what? But I don't give a fuck. The other thing I would do, but if I did this Monty, the key thing is though, you have to understand you can't ever do a public job again because of the things you have to say in this job will ruin any public job. I would be a battle rapper and I'm not joking. <laughs> but there's like the problem though. Spoiler, <laughs> if I do it, I'm going to have to say words that'll get me banned forever. every few minutes. So if I do it, there's no coming back from that one. It's a bird in the ships moment, Monty. So I would, you can imagine, first of all, I've even got the fucking demeanor for it. Like my temperament yeah, would be it. amazing course
1: <laughs> on the last SI you referenced the whose league is it anyway episode where Thorin roasted Travis on his own show and uh, ultimately led to the creation of SI as a decade long lull enjoy are there any other nuggets from the early days of leagues that you think are must watch slash reads
0: I mean I'll give I would you, go- I'll give you one that's a super deep pull. It's going to be from way back in the day, but do you remember in the old CLG, that was the superstar one with Vicious and Hotshot and Chouster and Big Fat GG and Double Lift? that lineup, if you remember, the, there's like a video on YouTube, you can go look it up, where they're playing a scrim, but it's their comms. And the joke is, they if you don't know, they were the best team even at the time. Like they actually were a really skilled team. So the joke is they would be winning the game while just arguing like 13-year-old kids in like school. Like, oh, And then you fucking come here, you fucking idiot, don't do that. They, As, they're talking like that by the way they're just like winning the game on the screen like it's so that just shows you what all league was like because NA was a joke for that like people just had no sitting, like no comms like fucking oh it was outrageous bit that's an old school pull for you
1: <laughs> I think beyond like breaking and game cribs which are obvious and you've probably seen Uh, I would say that some of the funniest early game League of Legends stuff was actually when they decided that it would be a fun idea to constantly record everything that happened in the Curse House. So you get like Saint Vicious (laughs) trying to that he's gonna replace.
0: He was (laughs) drunk. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, the funniest part. People forget the punchline isn't even that you like you. You all think the joke is that he's yelling at a person and he's drunk. No, no. The punchline is he says, "I'll bring in locust right now." And if you don't yeah. know, you can ask Dom about this. The locust guy is an example of someone where, like, it's like no one knew how bad he was till they sort of got to lands with him. And were like, "Holy yeah. shit!" Like this guy's actually not very good at all. Like so, like Dom was essentially Saint was doing like the most toothless fucking like threat of all time. <laughs> Basically, his threat was just like going up to like fucking. Listen, I'm going to make it extreme here because let's be real. Like at the end, at this point, elements was like a little bit washed. But elements once upon (laughs) a time was a good support, right? So this would be like going to Smeb when he's down on his luck and going, "I'll bring Long Panda through that (laughs) fucking door right now." I'll get Morgan in here tomorrow. Like like, who gives a shit? Why for the fuck? You know what I mean? Who gives a shit? That's even a threat, you asshole that was that was an egregious one i know <laughs>
1: yeah it, it was super funny i mean a lot of the was funny stuff back in the day like the the saints tots like saint vicious's va- daycare was super funny uh here here's one and i say this i think saint vicious is The nicest guy. I love him. He's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Yeah. He's so he's also just like a real sweetheart. But he he, he was hilarious back in the day. And so one of the things that you could never do now that he did was he rated like the girls in League of Legends. He made like a a tier ranking of like the, the the famous women in League of Legends, which obviously like even at the time was inappropriate. But now it's like particularly inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> but in the same vicious like when he would drink the box wide and like tell stories he was very funny guys he was very funny I mean I actually lot- hate
0: I really hate it Monty, when people inappropriately and without any kind of permission or consent sexualize people who compete but enough about big dickler and overly sorry what <laughs> sorry sorry. What's what about your joe, joe marsh
1: and joe marsh and owner but I mean this goes back to uh, there were just so much funny shit happening around that time in esports because that was also like the peak of in control like being hilarious on on state of the game with this like, when
0: Starcraft two was popping yeah Starcraft two was I, I don't know it Starcraft two
1: I missed the shit out of that because the 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 characters that were involved Nani was was actually in my stream the other day oh, okay <laughs> um uh watch, he's a, he's a big league fan now so yeah, yeah. he popped up but what an amazing character that guy was in Starcraft people like Idra and Huck and in control like Artosis. Um, Back when JP was funny, <laughs> I don't I don't know what happened to that guy. But what, he took a weird turn, didn't he? He was just a really like cool horse. Very weird. It was basically, like, he was basically
0: <laughs> like the day gone of his day. It was just like the, the the like sort of professional guy you'd pick as your horse, wasn't he? He was just a good guy.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, he he just was he was edgier, like a lot edgier back then. But like the early days of not even early days, just the days of Starcraft two, like two thousand eight, starting in the beta through like twenty twelve, was was pretty hilarious. So all of that all of that kind of stuff. You guys can go All I'll say is
0: I'll never, I'll also never be able to see that guy in the same light. If anyone knows, I'll just say the term and you can look it up and forget about it. If anyone knows the saga of when he was like JP McBeater and all those logs came (laughs) out, it was a really bad look, guys. He was was simping before evil was a thing put out with. So you can look that one up yourselves. That that was a bad look. (laughs) That's one of those ones where it's like, ah, respect is gone. Ah, respect is gone. Okay.
1: But yeah, the pro players in the back of the day used to be a lot spicier too. So unfortunately, they've been social media has ruined the fun in many ways. Uh, League all pro voting has had a certain level of observable recency bias. This split seems to be no different with people like Crowny not being in the top three marksmen despite the format change. Do you agree with this? And if so, how can you fix this issue moving forward? The problem is like the players don't take it seriously, guys. Like the issue is is that you have to have a, a smaller group of people who you know are going to be very serious about it. Do the voting because the more people that you include and people, the pro players, depending on team to team just tend to be, some of them tend to be very flippant or very biased as we've seen.
0: So The thing I always hate when it comes to doing things like All Pro or MVP is to me, Monty, the whole reason we invented in sports these particular awards was by definition to reward you for your individual play, not for the team result. The team result is decided by who wins the championship. That's what we do it for. So what I hate with the way they've done it now, where you count all of the split, including the playoffs, is you're just insanely biasing it just to who goes the furthest in the playoffs. So. Yep. I, I, the reason I gave the example before of the NFL example of Barry Sanders is everyone acknowledges Barry Sanders is like contender for best ever at running back, but he never even came close to a championship. But the point is that he was that excellent that he, the way he got rewarded money is on the all pro lists. You go look at that. There's a reason he's in the Hall of Fame that everyone knows he's a stud. If there wasn't the all pro, if you only went on who went to the final, you wouldn't know this guy in history. He'd be like some weird anomaly. So yeah, yeah. I hope we don't have that happen in League of Legends. I'll give everyone a very quick example. Do you remember the first split when Forgiven came into the EU LCS and he was on Copenhagen Wolves, a team that was like a borderline playoff team? Everyone knew already from the eye test, this guy is cracked. He was like the Exekick guy. But imagine if you can never be the best ADC because you're not going to win the championship. Like, that's why I just think it's against the spirit, in my opinion, of individual awards if you bias them too much towards the whole like team angle. The only reason, in my opinion, it's even vaguely acceptable in the NBA for the MVP that your team has to be one of the top ones is because just logistically, no one can watch 80-plus games from all the contenders. (laughs) So what they do is they assume, right, let's pick among the teams. Like, let's say all these five guys are already good, right? This can be the determining factor. Did your team win the conference or something? I get that one. We don't need that in league. In league, we can watch all the Games, that's the best part, especially in LEC. So let's just do it after the groups, which is the first two portions. Because at that point, look, let's be real. Almost no one in the bottom two teams is getting on anyway. So that's not a problem. But after the first two weeks, two groups, the two sessions, phases rather, yeah. everyone's played a pretty decent sample size. I think at that point we can figure out that's, who the author is. That's a,
1: that's, a that's a good point. You, um, you are given the unenviable... Oh, here's one quick one. Are there really sentient beings that believe transfer fees or signing bonuses paid to the players? That's not one I've heard a lot, but no, I mean, probably somebody believes that, but it's ridiculous. Uh, You are given the unenviable task of teaching double lift the proper use of the term straw man. What are some examples from his career slash life that you used to help him understand it? Well, I would say, remember when Lena on your stream leaked the facts that, uh, you couldn't get rid of Dardock when you should not have been part of those conversations and she shouldn't have been doing it in the background of your stream. Remember how she then went and blamed Lenovo uh, for the, the leak instead of acknowledging her own fault and the actual issue was that she was an executive that should have firewalled herself from those conversations from you
0: and not done it in the same room on your stream. There you go. And so what's so weird about the angle still is imagine someone getting caught on like a documentary series saying like a crazy slur and then going, it's not my fault. It's the bloody Mike that caught me saying it. Like (laughs) what are you talking about? Like that angle would never fly. So I'll tell you another one in the same case that I immediately thought of when me and Monty and others brought up the very actual justifiably concerning scenario where the president of a big team has signed her boyfriend to play in that team from a rival contender. When we brought up, this seems like a conflict of interest. Reginald and TSM pivoted to everyone saying that Lena's just only got her job because she slept away way to the top. No one credible was saying that go and find me a single tweet <laughs> yes. or comment from anyone famous who ever implied that even it was never yep. implied anywhere. Yeah. That's a straw man. The time. They yep, did that intentionally. That is, Essentially exactly. Reggie just beat the fuck out of that straw man and never landed a punch on us. You yep. know,
1: uh, Would you guys say that corruption slash shady practices occur more often in esports or traditional sports? Oh my god! I mean, have you seen the the FIFA or the International Olympic Committee? I mean, it's way worse than traditional sports, but it's still very bad in esports.
0: We're we're equal. It's just a matter of scale. I don't think eSports is unique. From my experience, it's why I always give you the exact... I actually did a video on this topic once. It was called something like why there will always be shady or bad eSports orgs. And what I basically explained is, by definition, because it is such an aspirational job to be a pro player, it is just like every other pipe dream, Monty, to be a singer in, ho- in the music industry, to be an actor in Hollywood. There is essentially infinite supply of naive people who want the job, but the demand is incredibly, incredibly small. It's only a, a few chances. What that means by definition is you will always, at the bottom of industries like that, get really shady people who, the whole way they are able, able to do business, is scamming the naive, optimistic person who wants to make it in this industry. And because that's how the bottom of the industry works, the analogy I gave in the video was this, Monty. The reason why everyone's first contract in Hollywood or the music industry is a bad, shady contract is because why would the guy himself take you on and give you a Great deal. He's at the bottom of the industry. His whole g- angle is he's gonna take you on Monty and be your agent because he's representing 50 people and he's only gonna take the gigs for the best people. Like he's by definition gonna be scam because you haven't you haven't built your name value up. Once your name value goes up and you're Prince or fucking Leonardo DiCaprio, you don't have to go to the dodgy agent anymore. So yeah. the point is there will always be like this because there's a billion people want to be a pro player and are willing to do anything to do it. So just that's how all these industries seem to work, in my opinion, because they'll actual currency of, of things like esports and music, as much as it's dark is the passion of the person who starts out in the field. Like those people are willing to do anything it takes to make it. Yep. So I think you'll always have a problems like this. Unfortunately,
1: yeah, it, it, it's just, it's just high competition industries will inevitably play prey on that competition. Yep. And I think the other thing is that at least the big governing bodies are easily corruptible because you have, Uh, you know, nation states that are willing to bribe the international Olympic committee or the FIFA committee in order to get the, you know, sports wash basically. And the people are vulnerable to that. I mean, we know Qatar bribed a bunch of people. It was a whole scandal.
0: They got a bunch of people fired from, from FIFA
1: that's just true but the in that
0: sense esports is way less corrupt like for example in esports there wasn't that many people got punished for like the blitz thing dude in sports they wouldn't even say the name that would have just been like they would have memory hold that whole scenario and everyone <laughs> would just carry on and pretend he never existed you know it's nice we don't
1: have to have corruption <laughs> when the when the entities like saudi arabia now own massive parts of esports because it's just in the open like, we just yes. know what they're going to do. Like, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it's not corruption. It, like, that's not corruption. It's just there, it just exists. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> um, funding has been secured for an LFN lol team. And to bypass the clever execs at Riot HQ, you have bought an LEC slot through your shell corporation, Last Hit Nation. Who do you sign or poach to your staff, assuming anyone is available for staff? So it's like head coach, strategic coach, analyst, drafts uh, specialist, head of scouting and development. Um, I mean, I'd probably reunite Mac and Peter Dunn. That seemed to be a pretty good combination on Mad Lions that continues to work well. I mean, I think that that there are... There's A lot of good analysts. I mean, I think people like Rigby and CL and Case are all have all proved their value. Um, I, I'd probably get Yamato in there to like manage player personalities, who also be a, a good shout.
0: By the way, one thing as well is we would do this, we would do right, the Dylan NFL pro, obviously. Like, we wouldn't just have two coaches, we'd do it like an NFL team and have a whole staff of people like this. As you say, have someone for the mental, have someone to deal with players, have someone to work on the draft. I'd have them all, yeah.
1: Like Dylan Falco would probably be like the head strategic coach, I would say. Um, but yeah, I think these are all people that have done very well. Yes. Um, well, we'll do what guys, there are so many questions this week. So I've, I apologize if we didn't get to them, but we've already done like a lot. Um. So, and we, we do have some business stuff we'll to do, do with some next elephant. week as well. Uh, later, yeah, we'll, we'll do more next week. Um, put them in earlier if you guys want us to get around with them because we we can't answer like fifty questions on this show, unfortunately. Uh, let's do this one. Where are you, who uh, who for you guys are the ten greatest LPL players? And you, you guys have actually asked very good questions this week. These are all very interesting, so they've necessitated. Right, here's the point. Answers.
0: The problem with this monty is this could be a thirty minute topic, so we'll do a quick yes. version of it. So let's just do like a spitball one. So let's start with the obvious well, names so like I, Ozi- I, I, Hold on. I linked
1: the thread of the candidates. So LPL actually put this out here. Here's the, you can look at the, the list, Doran. So the list, the, the candidate list for LPL were U, Uzi, V, Viper, Wayward.
0: No, no, this is wrong. This is in alphabetical order. They had way more than that. They had about like, oh yeah, had yeah, like a hundred okay. people yeah, yeah, yeah. nominated. That's or amount, yeah, so yeah, that's right. It's almost everyone you can think of basically. So forget that yeah. part. Let's just do our 10. So like, yep. let's do the fast ones. Like Ciao Uzi, Hu. I. Zhaohu, let's see. I'll do it. I'll do it so I'll keep the order it. Zhaohu, oh. Uzi. Who? Mako. Mako. Uh Ming. Yep. Ming. Uh scout. Knight. Rookie. Knight. Rookie. Scouts. Let's see. How many have we got here? It's three, six, seven. Probably
1: Jackie Love.
0: Jackie Love's a bit more borderline for me, but <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm, Wait. okay, yeah. Let's see. That's three, six, nine. We've got one more. <laughs> I haven't done any junglers to be fair.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's hard, right? Um, I mean, I think you have to include Messiah in there.
0: That seems questionable. Messiah, he only played like the first year. All right. I know you hate clear love, but Clear Love could have it. He, but he played a lot of years. There we go. We'll do so we'll do Uzi I, we? make I think Tian has to
1: be in there for his domestic performance. Then
0: then take Jack Love out then.
1: Yeah, okay. There's only that.
0: 10. We've got 10 already, so I'll take Love out for that one.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, no basically, times. we did
0: Uzi Wu, Meiko Ming, Night, Rookie, Scout, Tian, Wei Zhao, and Cleilove. But spoiler, this is probably the region that has the most people who are candidates for this. That's why I don't, I don't blame her for putting like 100 people. Like, I think this is... The difference with this one is, like, I haven't even put on here like fucking... Let me see. The Shy. I mean, the whole bunch of people. Uh, Vipers not on there. There's a lot this is this is a, you can't I you mean, almost three, can't go wrong three, with six, top 10. Three, nine,
1: who's been very good for a long time right now. Don B, um, given his pedigree within the LPL, because you also have to consider that some of these players haven't necessarily done well internationally, but they have performed right. extremely well domestically uh so i don't know that that was a quick and dirty one i think that and, is, is like, like our video guys yeah like, here's the
0: thing i think we actually will do a video like that in the fun. future we'll get dom to do it with us that yes. would be the move because yeah, essentially it would be
1: really like fun to do this
0: like I, I already i'm seeing yeah there's some names we haven't got on there that easily could get on
1: flandre probably deserves to be on there to a i mean the degree. joke
0: is deft could be on there mate. yeah you just don't think of him <laughs> as an LPL player, you know. You know what I mean? I know it's everyone forgot him, but he could probably be on there. So yeah, we'll do that as a bigger topic in the future. That's a good one.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really good one. It, it it's also very challenging in LPL because players tend to rise and fall faster than they do in Korea. It's I think it's a much easier exercise in in LCK than it is in LPL. Yes, I agree. LPL is very hard. Um, that it would be a, an interesting one. Uh. Uh, I think we'll probably call it there this week, guys. All right. Uh, when is oh here's a good one. We'll we'll end with this one. When is the league version of Hot Take Point made coming? That is definitely something that we may be looking into.
0: Yes, um, that's more just around. We just got to get some of the finance stuff set in place. But I, I do want to do that. I think it's just an obvious. It's a,
1: it's a really good model that you made, Thorin. And I think Especially that because that... here's the here's
0: why it would be cool, Monty. You could be on the league one. Obviously, in CS:GO, oh, yeah. it's not your game, but like oh. it'd just be me and you plus a guest or or, or a, yeah. a third person, wouldn't it? So I think it's a slam dunk. We're going to do it at some point.
1: We've got yeah, it. I agree. I would like to do that show, and I think that that is that show may be one that especially as we move into other games beyond league and CS:GO, that you know if we i could easily see us do a valorant version of that show as well or you know uh, it it applies so nicely to other games and the reaction to it's been very very good um so that's definitely definitely something we want to do yeah all right guys uh sorry we didn't get to all the questions there were just quite a few this week we normally get to them all but uh, in the interest of time, we gotta go. Gotta go work on some of this business stuff that we have cooking right now, so that we can actually continue the the company. I suppose there is one. <laughs> there is one. The last question this week, at the very very bottom, would what would be the worst case for LFN in case you can't get funding? Well, we just can't continue the company.
0: That's it'll just end as a company. It'll be it. Yep, I mean, that's it.
1: <laughs> um, you know we we have to we have to have everybody making a living from this. And so, yeah, it would be extremely unfortunate, but that would, be, that would be the end result. But that doesn't look like the result we have, is what I will say. Things are trending very positively at the moment. Um, so that's, I don't think that's going to happen. But you never know. Uh, all right, guys. So thank you very much for watching. We, it'll be Best Damn League show happening tomorrow, and we'll be back with more SI next week. No, I'll freeze pipe. <laughs>